What is going on, you guys? It is Dollar Cost Crypto here with Bitcoin to a million, million dojaroos. A million dollars, son. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's not. I am joined today by the lovely, the mystical, the magical, the chase. What's up, bro? Yeah, what's going on, brother? <laughs> He's my Jamie for the day. Jamie. Shout out. But um, no, this is going to be a really, really interesting stream because, I mean, people, I mean, there's not even clickbait. Like, I truly, truly believe in my heart of hearts, Bitcoin will be at a million dollars in 30 days. No. <laughs> that Bitcoin will, I mean, this, we will within a decade have a million dollar Bitcoin. That is like, it, that is actually a reasonable amount of time to actually believe that to happen. And you have to understand what that will do to the crypto space and where will it be at. It's, it's possible Bitcoin might not even be the most valuable cryptocurrency anymore. It might be the second or third. That's as far as like, is so far my soothsayer powers are telling me right now um but it just because bitcoin won't be in first place anymore does not mean that you know it's the end of the freaking world right but you also have to understand with bitcoin being worth that much um you i mean you have to extrapolate the top projects in DeFi and crypto are worth a lot of lot of money man so definitely man um now i um a bro this is a special message brought to you by Charlie and Miguel from Dollar Cost Crypto and Cultivate Crypto. For the love of God, if you guys are in chat right now, please, please, please check the pin messages in all the chats. 
all the Fight Club chats, all the all the Crypto Mindset chats, all the um, Citadel chats. We have put a special, special, special pin message in all the Telegram chats. And there is a really, if you make sure you double read it, there is a really good Easter egg airdrop if you participate in something. For the love of God, if you, if you don't hate money, get in. That's all I could tell you right now, Fight Club rules. But Jesus, if you do not get in by today, literally, you guys have less than, I would say, 18 hours to get into it right now. 18 hours. Or you want to be poor. I'm serious. Like, you're missing out. And I've got some heat for you guys as well, man. I'm going to tell you about how we can get into another airdrop. On the next stream, brought to you by, no, brought to you by Cultivate Crypto, Dollar Cost Crypto. But man, the amount, I mean, I really believe this opportunity that's in the pin messages on Telegram for the fucking millionth time. Um, all the instructions are there. Um, that is going to put you guys in a really good spot. Now, just eight responsibly, two years is what I'd recommend, eight quarters. But man, son, man, son. We are, we're like, I think it's a really great opportunity. Sheesh. That's all I got to say, man. But, can you share the screen moment? you share the screen, Chase? Yes, sir. April 21st, we have Crypto Mindset Quarter 2. Finally back to you guys, man. It's incredible, man. I know it's been a long time. Women have been crying in the streets for days and stuff. When, Miguel, when? Well... April 21st, it goes on sale. It will only be on sale for five days. So if you want to be the first person in and get that juicy, juicy alpha, um, leave your email address right there, man. CryptoMindsetCourse.com slash access. Leave your email address right there. And at midnight, like Cinderella, you'll turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> you, will get, you will be able to get into the Crypto Mindset Course. And of course, if you're part of the Citadel, you will get a discount. You will get a discount for every, every recurring a month that you've been in the Citadel, as well as if you pay with crypto, you also get 15% off of the crypto. So, I mean, it's very likely that people have been in the Citadel for the last three months. I mean, you can, with paying with crypto, you can get $300 off the course. Pretty freaking awesome, man. So definitely, definitely, definitely get into, get into the crypto mindset course. And the courses are more or less going to start May 6th for the first class. So May 6th. We were not crazy enough to uh, to start it on Cinco de Mayo. We almost did for a second, and then the Mexican and me remembered, holy crap, there's a lot of drinking going on on that day. Um, so we decided to, the more than likely, the first day is going to be May 6th. It's going to be an afternoon class, and it's going to start at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So there you go, man. Here's for the Pepe so they remember. Your boy looks good in a suit. God damn, son. Sheesh. Gary Gensler said, I smell a security. Well, I smell a bitch. <laughs> Woo. What are you talking about, man? I'm the fucking macro talking. Crypto buying. Wheeling and dealing. Crypto Mexican you've ever seen. And I'll be damn hard pressed to keep these fucking Louis Vuittons down, son. They're spiky, son. Shush! I pay in tequila. That's right, baby. 
But with, with further ado, we're going to get into our subject for our stream, man. Bitcoin to a million dollars, man. And this is not as far-fetched as you think. This, this is, I mean, th let me tell you this. We all, look, love it or hate it. You love or hate the maxis. Without Bitcoin, this whole industry wouldn't be here. And the higher the Bitcoin price, the more freaking money we all have. Whether that's yen. I mean, that's it. I mean, the whole world's taken, taken control by the Japanese. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Or the RMB or the central bank digital currency or whatever that, that is the currency or the, it's probably going to be the digital dollar. D-U-S-D, right? Duh. Or <laughs> or whatever it's. I, I'm on one today, you guys. Uh, I really am on one and stuff. But um, but with with Bitcoin with a Bitcoin at a million with Bitcoin at a million dollars, we are talking a damn near an increase on the Bitcoin price of about. This is a head math here, so please forgive. About a forty x in price from now. If 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 I'm not off on the on the price right there. So we are talking about the whole crypto space at minimum being 40, 50, 60 times higher in price for the coins that survive. Not all coins are going to survive, ladies and gentlemen, but we are going to be talking about if you have bags of Ethereum, bags of Hex, bags of Bitcoin, you are doing extremely, extremely well. Um, I would imagine Aave and a couple other projects, some of the maybe uh, Uniswap token. Well, Uniswap token is trash, but like, but some of these some of these tokens that survive and stuff like that and you know pulse chain and a couple of things we were talking about a very high price on a lot of these tokens and you know i've been in crypto seven years and it went by really quick it really feels like i've been in crypto maybe three or four years tops but legitimately i've been in crypto seven years and it went by in up snap right so cosmos eh, i don't know well let's we'll see man like i haven't seen much if i'm being honest man i haven't seen much out of cosmos Though, and I've seen a little bit more from Polkadot, but at the same time, I haven't seen shit from Polkadot either. Let's be for real. <laughs> I'm Kusama gang we up, man. But um, but it's just, it, it, is, it is what it is. Crypto Boogie, tell me what type of drink you are consuming right now. Oh, as a matter of fact, man, yo, shout out to Crypto Boogie. Me and Crypto Boogie will be doing, I am getting your messages, homie. Sorry, it's been busy. Uh, <laughs> very busy. Uh, Crypto Boogie, me and Crypto Boogie are going to be doing a Spanish stream in Espanol, Telemundo. Vamos a hablar en Espanol de todo esto, de cryptocurrency, de, de Bitcoin y Ethereum. And I know I'm butchering it because you basically can't say these, these crypto names in Spanish because the words don't exist. So it's really strange. Like we're going we're to be doing this whole Spanish stream and half of the stream is going to be in English because these crypto words, there's no translation for them in Spanish at all. <laughs> so voy a mover dinero para acá and then comprar Voy a quitar minero de los bancos y voy a comprar un chingo de Ethereum. And then from there, I'm, voy a comprar un chingo de esta moneda acá. And then we'll buy Bitcoin. And, I mean, that, that's really, I mean, I swear that's how, how it's going to sound. But with a lot of, like, swear words in the middle there. But, um, yeah, man. Your <laughs> chain is up first. First chain coming up next. Oh, yeah, dude, no, for sure. I'll definitely look into it, man. But it's just like we've been waiting for a long time for these, for these layer zeros to finally do something for a long time now. But... Bitcoin is still working. It, it keeps working. And only 180 people watching right now. It's like you guys just don't want me to do the moon math. It's like you just don't want the sauce. It's, you don't want the alpha, man. I'm, I'm getting really, like, I'm very dismayed right now, man. Like, what I want you guys to do is to go onto Twitter and retweet this out and get more people in here. Get Spread the good word. Spread the good word of dollar cost crypto. Hex Jesus. Dogecoin Muhammad. Litecoin Moses. Father of gains. Shh. Beautiful, man. How do you say poor pleb in Spanish? Pinche esclavo. Fucking slave. 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna get cancelled in Spanish. Oh man. Omi, Omi Latino is banned in two languages. Inglés y Español. But like the video, you guys, we have 81, we have 180 people watching right now. That is a, that is a sh damn shame because we're about to drop a lot of alpha. I'm going to explain to you how we can get to these kind of crazy prices as well as do a reaction video to a, re to an, a really important video that Arthur Hayes made about where we're going and how the all this inflation is starting to affect the bond market, how the banks are failing, and how we possibly can get hyperinflation. Like, this shit is for real, you guys. Let, let me tell you this way. Like... I need, soon enough, my soundboard is coming, guys. I will be having a soundboard. But that would have been like, right there, right? That would have been right there on the stream, right? And you will not believe what I got in the mail today. It, my, I almost said the bank name. My freaking, my freaking bank sent me a notice. Yo, Miguel, yo, dog, yo, bro, thank you, most valid customer that's been with us for, a, for, for over a decade, my entire adult life. Yo, uh, just FYI, homie, um, I don't know if you speak Spanish or not, so we sent you both Spanish and English, FYI, but you better not be fucking d withdrawing more than $10,000 in cash, homie. I literally got a warning mail in the mail today from my fucking bank telling me, Miguel, don't withdraw more than $10,000 at a time, homie, because then we're thinking you're doing some bullshit. Can you believe that crap? Me. Good old dollar cost crypto. DCC. A man of God. Doing some foul shit. Nah. Gambling? Sure. Crypto buying? Yeah. Lean, mean, green, fighting machine? For sure. But doing some shady shit? Nah, man. I pay my taxes. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you're dumb, bro. Now, Richard Hart recently warned. That, let me tell you this right. When Richard says something, bros, pay attention because it, it's it's probably very a factual sort of thing, man. Now, Richard basically said, "You guys, open some more bank accounts and move money." Now, this is for people who have a lot of money and stuff like that. So, I'm sorry for Domis Butos Clavos, no valen. You know, you don't you got it. But you know, if you guys, I mean, obviously, you guys are in, you have a business and you have a business account. I would. Fuck it, I would recommend go opening a, a completely different bank. Like, I'm sorry, get a Chase account, get a Bank of America account, get a Wells Fargo account or something like that. Um, open up a couple of bank accounts, major banks. Don't do, don't do small community banks, I'm sorry. And, you know, make sure, you know, you have $240,000 under the limit under the FDIC stuff because I think some crazy shit's about to go down, you guys, with the banks. Please, for the love of God, I know this is a Bitcoin stream, but this is, is it has everything to do with Bitcoin. Have some cash in hand. Have cash in hand. You, who the hell knows what's going to happen in the, in, the, in the next couple of years, man? But we're, we're going to go through some crazy transformative sort of stuff. And I really believe it's all linked to the central bank digital currency. We are having the government rugging small community banks, which don't deserve that. And, you know, small banks and community banks. This is this is really really messed up, and they're basically centralizing banking. And over time, they're gonna they're 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 like bros. Like I've I've had accounts with Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini. I mean every exchange under the sun, and basically ninety percent of these exchanges, for, took me down, bros. Like literally, what's going on right now? I think there's something going on in the crypto space. It is very hard to get money into crypto right now. I think the banks are trying to slow us down from getting money into crypto because some sh major shit's going to happen right now. Like, I'm seeing so much smoke in the smears right now. Like, I can't, like, it's I can't get as much money into crypto anymore than I, that I used to anymore. 
I used to be able, like I'm, I'm not I'm not talk, I'm not trying to talk shit here, but I used to be able to instantly get like a hundred thousand into Coinbase within like a day and instantly move it. I've been reduced to like five grand. I know I'm just wiping my fucking tears with hundred dollar bills. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but no no. But this is a serious thing because the major the people the the middle the the middle class of crypto people and the upper middle class and the and the you know all the ranks and shit the citadels right. The, if you're trying to get, you're trying to get capital from your fucking disgust this disgusting dollars and fiat into beautiful clean Bitcoin Ethereum and Hex, you're being we're being throttled right now. We are legitimately being throttled right now, and it's it's a and it's a crock of shit, man. So I decided to put on this fucking very very beautiful beautiful suit, and just to show you guys how serious I am about this little issue right now, like literally within 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 uh, within a two week span, I can't put a lot of money into the space. My bank's warning me about withdrawing cash. I'm just giving you guys the warning. Something's up. They're choke pointing us. Exactly, you guys. There is. There is. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is a lot. There is a lot, a lot of weird shit going down in bros. Like, I am, like, it is actually kind of terrifying, if I'm being honest, you guys. So, please keep DCAing. Even if, for the small guy, you still, I think you still can, if you're doing under $5,000, you can. Please make sure to, to have as much as you can in the crypto space and out of the banks. Um, shit's about to get weird. Having Ethereum, some Bitcoin, some Hex, some USDC, and some Tether. I can't believe I'm saying Tether. I'm sorry. Haram, I know. But um, these four or five coins being the main stacks of where you just keep the dry powder at. Because there might be a time where we're like, we can't, we won't only have access to what we ever have in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the matrix, in the metaverse, in the, in the crypto space. On Ethereum and on these L1s, you guys. Matt S. Miguel isn't exaggerating. I've been waiting 12 days to get 10K from Coinbase to my MetaMask. Let me tell you this, right? I, I, I had a major deposit in my bank. They held this money for three fucking weeks. Speed kills. I tried to send a bank wire. They held my bank wire for five, six days. Basically, what they're doing is they just stole my money for a couple days, just kept it so they could be more solvent. That's what's going on. Now, you never hear the plight of this because this is a plight of a small business owner, the large business owners, and people who have a lot of capital and stuff like that. But this shit is fuck. Like, I'm telling you, man, something's weird's happening, man. Like we, like we're we're getting we're beginning to get the rugging when it comes to. Um, yeah, Fernando Menza, same facts, same issues. I've been trying to get into more hex. Look at this, like the, everybody. H, look at this crap. Look at this. Look at this. Coinbase for a long time has been allowing me to instantly transfer 1K into crypto, even call HA to clear my bank. Now I'm waiting for a week to pull hundreds of dollars off a of coin. Exactly. So now, like, what, I'm, at, I'm at this position, and a lot of you guys are we're like, I'm having to do, like, a little here. Boom, 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 boom. Watch. Go, go on your Coinbase app right now and try to do a direct a wire transfer into it. The account number disappeared. They, they, this is so fucking weird. They scrubbed... They scrubbed the account number so you can't do a direct wire into Coinbase anymore. Look at look look at that. I'll hit a Pepe. Go check your thing. Go check.
Yeah, Mitch, uh, Mitch Rich, man. I've been using MoonPay because Coinbase takes so long. Damn right. Now, some of these other roundabout ways to get your money in, they're taxing our ass right now. Woo! I'm telling you, man, this is crypto. Man, this is crypto Jesus right here, baby. Man, not Bitcoin Jesus, not Hex Jesus, crypto Jesus. Lord of Gains. Book of Gains coming soon, you guys. But I'm telling you guys, we're, we are having a serious problem right now. We, it's hard to get capital into the crypto space. They're throttling us. Means they're like, fuck, this crypto stuff is recovering too quickly. Like, they, they basically have throttled crypto. I mean, like, let's, what, what happened to Signature Bank? Silicon Valley Bank, they kind of half deserved it, but like still, Sil Silicon Valley Bank, um, First Republic, what what these ba these banks were all banks that banked a lot of crypto clients. They weren't it was the entire like the entire bank didn't make all their money off of crypto, but it was a small portion of it. But still, th that's a very large of crypto, right? Now the biggest crypto bank in the world now is J.P. Morgan. They've knocked their entire competitors out, instant payment system out with First Republic and Signature Bank, and now. All we have is now, like, Silvergate's gone as well. Like, that was the main crypto bank. that They took that shit out. What do we have left? Chase. That, and not that Chase. <laughs> I was like, what? Sit what? down, boy. I don't know what they have left. Now... Look, you go on, you go into Cash App. You can do like maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars. Like I'm telling you, they're taxing your ass right now. Gemini, Gemini, I'm calling you guys out, man. I I know Gemini is really hurting right now because they they took they were hemorrhaging a lot of cash because they retardedly invested so much money into into BlockFi. But me and Charlie have been talking about that secretly for quite a while. But they, I mean, even the Gemini twins at some point in tw in late 21 said, "Hey, hey, we ain't giving you assholes any more money. We're done. You're cut off, right?" So. Go buy if you if let's say you wanted to buy like I think the maximum amount you can buy I think you can still buy like twenty five grand on on Gemini, just FYI here for you guys. Um, go buy USDC. They're charging you like three I think like for twenty five thousand dollars they're charging you four hundred dollars to buy USDC. Now if you buy Gemini dollar right GUSD twenty five thousand dollars. They charge you nothing, but then if you swap it on their in-changing in swap into Ethereum or anything else, and then wait the six days to withdraw, they're charging you damn near fucking $700, $800. They got us by the balls right now, you guys. Yeah, Karn, look, I cannot believe it. I just refreshed my Coinbase, reduced my bank transfer limit by 66%. Bro, they reduced mine by 95%. They reduced me by 95% on multiple exchanges. Bros, we have to get as much cash as we can into the market right now. Like, do like basically, this is why I said spin plates. They they have slowed us down, but they have not stopped us. Bitcoin to them. This is why Bitcoin's going to a million. This fucking shit right here. This is why. This is why. How dare? What the fucking right do they have to tell us where I put my money? If I paid my fucking taxes on my money already, it is my money. I can do whatever the fuck I want. If I want to burn it to the motherfucking ground, I can. Black Label Expat. I think Kraken Wire still works. Yes. Black, I think Kraken is the last Mohican. Coinbase doesn't work. Gemini doesn't work. 
Binance USA <laughs> hasn't worked for a while. Kraken's the last motherfucking Mohican right here. Though you can still do a $25,000 like direct bank transfer thing like on Gemini still, but the rest of them are in the trash already. It is not your debit card. It is your dirty fiat. That's correct. But remember, Kraken was hurt pretty badly too. So Gemini basically is like, shout out to Gemini. Look, look, look. This book, the Bitcoin Billionaires, that book right there that I have, Why Women Deserve Less, shout out. <laughs> but Bitcoin Billionaires right there. The, half that book is about, is about the Gemini twins, the Winklevoss twins, and that asshole from Facebook. The Gemini twins are good peeps. Some could they be misguided here and there? Sure. But like I truly believe these guys are good dudes. And and like that hit if you watch the social network, what a fucking retarded hit piece. These some they're like bros. Go go on Audible. If you've never listened to, a, to an audiobook in your life, you can literally get the first book for free. Go download Bitcoin Billionaires. Listen to that book. You're gonna be like, wow. Mark Zuckerberg, what a fucking asshole. This guy has essentially made his entire fortune off of stealing off these two guys. And then these guys finally like, get away from the grasp because these guys, like basically Mark Zuckerberg blackballed these guys in Silicon Valley. So they decided to set up shop somewhere completely else in a completely different industry, invested whatever little money that they, you want to know some bullshit too. It, it, I'm spoiling a little bit of the book, but basically they had a settlement because Mark Zuckerberg had to pay the Winklevoss twins money, right? Mark, Imagine like you went, you went a hundred and forty million dollar lawsuit. They're going to get paid one hundred forty million. Pretty cool, right? He lied about the price of the stock. He doubled the price of the stock. So essentially, he owed them another hundred and forty million plus dollars. And basically, the lawyers told him, "Bros, it is if you try to sue him for this other money, it's going to take years. Basically, you ain't going to get this money." So, so at the end of the day, he ended up ripping them off again for another fifty fucking percent. Can you believe that horseshit? This is why Bitcoin to a million dollars. Remember something that I always say. All women are trife. Trifling. <laughs> right? And in a woman's mind, right? Just to bring the red pill into this financial shit. Your money is her money. Her money is her money. That's how they think. Crock of shit, right? Your money is their money, and their money is their money. China Light. I just recently, on my, on my Instagram, I had a, a very viral, viral video that came out. Uh, whoa, my screen just went black. Um, I just, I had, a very, I had a very viral post that I did about, you know, central bank digital currencies. And it was shared here. Like, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. I'm not going to play it, but... If I could find it, my God. Right here. So share my screen for one second. So this one right here, right? It was, it was watched by, by, 300, by 359,000 people. It was shared on people's stories. It was shared 16,000 stories. So 16,000 people shared this story out. And, you know, shout out to you people, man. I ended up getting a lot of subscribers. I got almost 4,000 subscribers from this, just this video alone, man. And shout out to my boy, Black Ice, as well. We had a couple of these other viral, um, viral let me see. where, 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 where. Had a couple of the uh, Trump entities, of course, got 14K, lol. Uh, 
But you know, me and my me and Black Ice did a couple other ones right here. We did a million views on this one, another one point one million on this one. But this one out, this one really hit home for people. Let me tell you why. These central bank digital currencies, we know what we know what this is going to end up being. They are going to start taking our rights away of our money and stuff. If they're afraid, they're they're going to try really hard to get rid of cash. They're going to bring they're going to onboard a lot of dumb motherfuckers into taking that money there, and eventually they're going to rug they're going they're they're going to start doing some version of basic income and they're going to the, they're going to start putting all these stipulations that you can't spend it so i mean i'm going to tell you this right now if you if you do cuz like you're like it's a sort of game right where they're going to give you a thousand two thousand dollars per person take the money buy ethereum buy bitcoin buy hex just buy crypto fucking even buy dogecoin throw these dollars in the trash they want them take them i don't want them buy crypto even if they tax your ass $200 on it, crypto so volatile, you'll make that money back. I won't be complaining about the fees just because it is ridiculous. It's highway robbery. But in only in our industry, right, can we, make, we can make whatever they steal from us back in a, in, a, in a couple weeks or a month or two, right? In equities, they steal. Like if you do a $25,000 investment into, a, into something and then they stole essentially $800 of it, it's going to take you damn near a fucking year to make that money back. I'm, this is the warning shot across the bow right here. I'm telling you, like, I, I think I'm literally one of the many people out here actually saying this right now. And I, I've given you real numbers. And this is happening to me. Miguel, which is my real name, by the way, <laughs> this is happening to me. And I have, I'm, I'm very highly experienced in the, in the crypto space. I've taught over 12,000 people. I've onboarded 12,000 plus people into crypto along with Charlie from cultivate crypto. And I'm experiencing this. Charlie's experiencing this. Other the, the the reason you're not hearing it too much on Twitter is because most people most people in the in the crypto space, you know, it's usually small. You know, you're starting off, but but once you've been in here years and years and years, it's the more years you've been, the smaller of a, of a subsect it is, right? We're a, we're just a silent. We're a, we're a, we're a we're a very very powerful silent minority, right? And we're we're seeing it first. Let me tell you this right now. This is how long they took. They held my money, bros. I had a, I had a direct deposit that was going to come into the bank. I was going to onboard it and then buy hex with it. Just being truthful to you guys, them holding my fucking money cost me like eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm still doing okay, you guys. But I mean the the spiky boot the spiky boots and stuff are still spiky. But um. God damn, dude. These assholes, these assholes in these banks cost me, cost me a fucking Lamborghini Aventador. And a Huracan. And a down payment on a house. God damn. <laughs> I'm being serious. Like, seriously, that's how much they cost me. They cost me a fucking Aventador. A Huracan on top of that. Or an Aston Martin. And a down payment on a house in gains. Speed kills, right? Hit a Pepe on that shit. I'm, I'm pissed now.
Now, it's not losses. It's opportunity costs. And most people, like, they're like, oh, if I did this, no, no, literally. I was literally doing that to go do that because I'm a genius of this generation. No, I'm just calling it West. <laughs> no, no. I'll just, but no, no. But I'm seriously, like, I, I, like bros, we may, I make money moves out here. It's okay. I still have the capital and stuff like that, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm investing it around and stuff like that. Great opportunities. Check the fucking pin message in the Telegram checks. All my Citadel brothers and sisters, bros. I take these L so you don't have to. You seen the meme where that soldier's protecting you in your bed? That's me, bros. Protecting you in these streets. All you gotta do is listen. And owe me 135 likes. Shame on y'all. I'm over here pouring my heart out, crying. Crying on stream right now. 135 likes. My God, man. I mean, I think Fresh and Fit, would, if, if, if we were on Fresh and Fit, I think they would just pause the show right now. I don't even think, they would be like, no, this, we're not continuing on with the stream anymore. Like, we, what's the point? We can roll the intro again. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe, just maybe. I'll think about it, but not, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. But, um, but Bitcoin to a million dollars, you guys. Like, Not follow zone. That's the worst. Don't think about loss as much as missed opportunities. No, of course, of course. And look, look, look. It's a bull market, you guys. There is plenty of time. Dude, my God, man. Like, it, there, I'm like, am I pissed about it? Of course. But, eh. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, the money's, the like, we're here right now. There, there is literally, like, in the next two years, we're going to have so many opportunities to make so much fucking money. There is so much money out here, man. We are going to make so much fucking cheddar. Bitcoin to a million dollars. That's why it's going to happen. This bullshit. Money goes where it's treated best. Where else is it treated best in crypto? It multiplies. It expands. Nowhere in the world can I send money to anywhere, anywhere in the world. Instantly. I could, send, I could send you a million dollars in USDC and Ethereum in 13 fucking seconds. I could send you $10 million on Pulse Chain in fucking three seconds when it's, when it's open. Bars. Shit. She, I could send you $100 million in fucking in Bitcoin in 10 minutes. <laughs> but no one could stop it. That's, that's what they're afraid of, is that you can't stop it. That's what's so beautiful about it. We're, why I'm so passionate about the crypto space is because we are rugging these assholes of control over us. The reason they're rich is because they're the middlemen. We, ta we, we, take, we start taking their ability of being the middlemen in between. They can't steal from us anymore. And we give power to the people we believe in. That's why I really believe in projects, what Pulse Chain's doing, what Ethereum is doing and stuff. Like things like Aave and stuff where you deposit your capital. It's because you've chosen to do so and you're getting compensated for it Safely in a DeFi contract. <sighs> and they're telling me Hex won't go to $2. <laughs> <sighs> 
Shit, man. Bitcoin at a million. You think, where the fuck do you think we're going to be at, man? Shit. Like, man, hit a pepe for a second. Let me, let me, let me. Beautiful, man. Current, all right, share the screen for one second. So right now, Bitcoin is at $27,500. I'll just call it $27,500. $27,500. That is a, to get to a million dollar Bitcoin, we're talking about a 36X. 36.36X, right? Where would Ethereum be if I just multiplied it by that many gains? Let's just say they keep up with each other. Let's say nothing changes. Everything just goes to exactly the same. We're at $1,791. That would put, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that would put Ethereum at $65,000 fucking dollars. If you have five, 10, if you have 10 Ethereum, 20 Ethereum, you got yourself $600,000. 20 Ethereum, you got over a million. 1.2 million. But what will that million dollars be worth in 10 years? Shit. Probably, if I had to guesstimate, we probably lost a 4x on the dollar, something like that. So maybe a, maybe a 3x on the dollar in terms of value in the next 10 years. Maybe 2x in value. So that's 35 so the base of your theorem today what you would you would protect your capital right you would grow it you'd be richer in dollars but your purchasing power on that $65,000 on 10 ethereum would be 35,000 30,000 today but still higher than it was today and still worth more so you protect yourself you have more purchasing power than you have and that's at the end of the day the most important thing and because ethereum has, has got a lot more things going on for it for, for its proof of stake model and stuff it's probably going to be closer to 90 to 100 if we're being honest Glory be thy bags, for they shall pump. And fear not, my children, because your pain will turn into champagne. Book of Gains. Two hundred and ninety-three people watching right now. You're all gonna make it. You guys are here now, investing now. I'm telling you, like, I, I you th people think I'm joking. I, people think I joke around when I say that, like, a lot of you guys are pretty wealthy already if you just held. Seriously, sometimes, so, now, obviously, there's some coins that go away. So, we, I mean, we can never take our hand off the wheel completely. Jesus, grab the wheel. I'm holding on, but I need your help. Right? But if we're being honest here, if you held your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, and your Hex and stuff and everything, and they just... 10 years later, with paying attention, you be in a fucking beautiful spot. You would be in a beautiful spot. I'm telling you, 30x, 30x your bags right now. What I want the chat to do right now, right? I did this in another stream, but let me do it again right now. There's, there's about 300 of you guys watching right now. If your bag's 30X'd, what could you buy? Multiply your bag by 30X. 
It's probably gonna be higher than that. That's that's just if it just just held and something. That, that's not if you took some profits and rebought at the bottom. But let's say if your your bag's thirty x, what can you buy? Tell me. Oh wait, I'm drinking this beautiful coffee right here. Boogie's turning in his grave, hoping it's fucking McDonald's coffee. <laughs> But look at these beautiful answers right here, man. I can pay off my student loans and buy a new car. That's beautiful, man. My first house. That's awesome. 30X Lambos. Sheesh. House easy. A million dollar beach house in PR. Beautiful, man. A paid off house. A house. You see, you got responsible. Some of you guys are doing Lambos. Responsible. <laughs> Hopefully not a failed marriage, you guys. But a uh, <laughs> sexless marriage. But a house. Like, th let me tell you this right now. I'm gonna pull up a tweet real quick. I'm gonna pull up a tweet real quick, you guys, to show you something. This this is shocking, and only us who are entering and are in the capital class of America and the rest of the world, the one percent, the future one percent of one percent, because you guys are already the one percent of the population already. There there are some studies that said twenty percent of Americans are in crypto. Get the fuck out of here. At the peak of the market in 2021, we had. 4.5% of the population of the planet in crypto. Legitimately. And they just barely, and most of them are just holding on exchanges, let's be honest. Obviously, where did all this Voyager, the Celsius, or all this other BlockFi, and that's more advanced stuff, or exchanges go down? How did, like, 4.5, a couple months ago in December, November, we had half a percent of the population of the planet in crypto. We had. 10% of a percent of the planet actively using crypto. 10% of a percent of the world population was using crypto. That's the real power. That's where you guys are. If you if all th 400, 300 of you guys watching right now, you guys are not even the one You guys are the 1% of 1% of 1%. Of people because you guys are wheeling and dealing this is why i'm so what we me and charlie have done here is really special because we have we've we been able to scale the unscalable we, we want to teach a large amount of swath of people to get into space we have people going on to phantom onto arbitrum onto optimism and like if that sounds fucking if i'm just saying a bunch of weird words to you right now i mean crypto mindset quarter two is coming out april 21st go woke go broke no crypto you pleb Shit, Steven Garcia saying, damn, dude, you're gassing me up. It's not even gas, bro. It's saying unleaded. It's jet fuel, baby. <sighs> E85 at least. What are we talking about? <laughs> Shush. Now, let me pull this tweet up real quick. I was a pastor in some other life. I really was. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Didn't have to cut me off. Anyway, all right, share the screen. All right. Richard at Richard Hartwin, right? On Twitter, right here. Join Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, join Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, and go follow everybody. Of course, get to learn it. But houses are the most unaffordable they've ever been in your lifetime. And you want to throw your fucking money into a 401k. 
my people, Charlie's people, Miguel's people here, who are in the who are in the Citadel and the crypto mindset courses on our Moon Gang are up right now. The rest of the stock market, the average person in a 401k is down bad. Real estate down bad. Crypto winning. Specifically our people winning. Because we didn't abandon the houses are the most unaffordable they've ever been in your lifetime with medium income. Look at that. Now that's still now this is coming down right here. Let me let me expand this out. Housing bubble crash. All of us coming out of high school, just dead broke. We weren't able to buy a house. And then it just spiked up, right? Only, the, only people in crypto, you guys are going to be able to buy houses, bros. Everyone's going to be a fucking renter for the rest of their goddamn life. We are the capital class. I'm trying my hardest to save as many as you guys. As many of you guys as you can. Save your family. But you have to put that mask on yourself first. You got to save yourself first before you can save anyone else. When I, when I meet somebody, like today, I was at Starbucks, right? I was at Starbucks. I started talking to this guy about crypto, and he was like, bro, that's so, I've always wanted to learn, bro, and everything like that. That's what, look, I don't care what you, I don't care if you don't know anything, if you didn't pass high school or nothing. It doesn't matter if you did college. I've, there's guys, there's guys who barely pass high school that understand crypto better than fucking some PhD dudes. We cuck them out. <laughs> Gains. It's insane, Right? What you need is to have a proactive attitude and want to learn. Excitement. I love that gleam in the eyes. Bro, I've always wanted to learn about that. What what, 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 what can I want? That is beautiful. Can you share the screen one more time, please, on the uh, home prices for the medium income? Now, now, the average mortgage payment in America is $2,600. The rule of thumb is one-third of your income should be your mortgage payment. So what that basically means is if you, the average medium income in America is about forty-three to 55000 depending on the states, okay? That means to afford a house today, you have to be earning over $96,000 a year by that rule of thumb. So everyone is over buying and overpaying. Their houses, a proportion of their income is, is, is outrageous right now. They're only going to go higher. Like Jerome Powell's going to keep increasing the interest rates for the next couple of, what, four or five months. We're going to, we're going to get another couple of raises. He's going to stop sometime in the summer. What, what, what we've been saying, bros, this isn't new. Well, I'm saying all this stuff right now for you guys to remember it right now. So when it happens, we can react. We can be proactive. We can buy the dips, and we just get wealthier and wealthier. These emotional, these emotional motherfuckers are just going to drop all their crypto on us and we're just going to buy the bags and sell it to them at a fucking 30x premium. Chef's kiss. God damn. You're going to be able to multiply your money. Now, I understand. If, let's, just say you earn, let's just say you earn the medium income. You earn $55,000 a year. Can you invest all $55,000? No, of course not. Right? But imagine this. 10, 20% of your income, you can. There's disposable income. And if you want it, you can get it. But let's just say only 10%, $5,500. If you invest it correctly in the space, why can't you make a 20X on that? $5,500. But let's just round to 6000 because you're your go-getter, right? 6000 times 20. You earn $55,000 a year. And then your bag could be worth over $120,000. 
So you've taken 10, 15% of your income and you have made more money. You made more, you made two and a half times more money than you make currently. <sighs> Glory be crypto. The Citadel, baby. Now hit that Pepe. Now there's there's a guy saying he's Bitcoin's going to a million in ninety days. <laughs> nah, I, if it does, we're in some big trouble. People think like we're winning, but that's actually pretty bad for the rest of your lives because most of us, you know, like, you know. But do I believe it's going to happen within a decade? I actually really truly believe. I mean, at least by like what twenty thirty three, where we'll have a million dollar Bitcoin. I had to turn down my sub. <laughs> Are you able to do moon math on NFTs? Well, the thing is, if the NFTs are still valuable, what will happen is you actually could get a higher dollar price in the NFT market, but a lower price in, in ETH. So some of you guys right now trading, uh, trading NFTs are probably trading at all-time highs possibly because unless, unless it, it commands a lot of attention, there's only so many. Most of these things will start being worth – like right now they're worth an Ethereum for an NFT. In the top of the bull market, a tenth, 15%, 25% of an Ethereum. So right now, a lot of the NFTs you guys are trading, you guys are trading them right now at all-time highs. But dollar-wise, it did incredible. So Ethereum-wise, it didn't do some hot. Dollar-wise, it did pretty hot. But at the end of the day, you're cashing out into dollars to then when everything crashes back down, you dump those fiat fucking dollars and, you know, do that, right? Now... We're about to get into some crazy stuff with the banking sector. I've explained to you what's happened to me, what's happening to... Go read the chats. Go read the live, the live stream chats. There's a lot of people in here. I'm telling you, but because, because it's like, yeah, I just... Because a lot of times, like, there's stuff that happens in crypto. You're like, oh, it's probably happened to me. The consensus, there's over 340 people watching right now. And they've all said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to notice the same thing in the last couple of weeks. So we've just figured something out. They're throttling crypto right now because it's been pumping and doing too well. They're scared. It won't last forever. The throttling will last forever. But right now, there's, there's a lot of opportunity going on right now in the space. Get your money into crypto. I don't care if it's in USDC or stable coins. Just have the ability that it's an RC20 token, something where you can then trade into assets that you like. It doesn't matter if you like XRP or whatever. It doesn't like just get into the space because these assholes are like, who knows if they try to cut off this, these bridges. Rug these central bank digital currencies, man. And if we're forced to use, and like this is the thing, it's a double-edged sword. These central bank digital currencies are going to take so much freedom away from so many people, but they're going to make us so damn rich because so many people are going to learn how to use a cryptocurrency finally and start investing it. I mean, like when they start releasing these checks, these stimmy checks again, I'm, if I get a stimmy check, if they give it to everybody, right? It doesn't matter of, of, of like how much money you make and stuff, right? I'm dumping that shit right now. You, you want to know something that's really cool? When, when the first stimulus check happened, I think it was in 2020, 
it was $1,200. If you invested that $1,200 into Hex, that $1,200 stimulus check is today worth, I think, $150,000. Let me say that again. Maybe a little off between a, it's so much money, I might be off like 20, 30,000 <laughs> or plus or minus. But that $1,200 stimulus check that, was, that you got in 2020, if you had invested it into Hex, which a lot of people did, I did as well, turned into $150,000. Go look it up. It's, it's real. There's a, there is literally a Twitter page dedicated to that. My stimulus check is worth this. And they tell you to put it in a 401k. They're just trying to middleman your money so they can earn fees off of it and not even gain. There's nothing wrong with it if you provide a service and you're middleman and you're making money for people. But if you're making such pitiful returns, 7%, 7% yearly returns, 12 if we're lucky, and we're at 16 to 24% inflation per year right now. 7%, you're still losing, you're getting poorer. If you're not in crypto, what are you doing? If you're not starting a business, what are you doing? If you're not getting into real estate and really pushing hard, what are you doing with your life? I understand we all have to work jobs. We all have to do stuff we don't like. There's, ton, there's, there's many, many jobs that I did I didn't want to do. But I did them because, let me tell you this. I remember there was a time where like, I felt like, like I was spinning my freaking wheels. But you know something that kept me going was like, even when I was at my poorest and like all I could put was $20 into the market by skipping lunch, I was like, this $20 is going to turn into $100 for me in the future. Future Miguel is going to thank me. This $100 bill right here is going to be $1,000. That's what I would tell myself. That's what I would tell myself. Because it was hard. There was a time it was really hard to put that money into the market. But I was like, I, I was like, my gut, which is almost never wrong, was telling me, you have to do it, dude. We're spinning our wheels here. You have to do it. And of course, things turned around because I am, I am an optimistic man. I don't give up on myself. I'm, I've always been a self-teacher. I've always I've like listened to, I mean, I was listening to 8 to 12 hours of YouTube a day on everything. History, crypto, business, every sales, everything. And I grew my business to a very large size. And then I moved on to the crypto space and did even better. But it was that belief in myself that I, that I, I was not going to be a fucking loser. And I don't want that for you guys as well. And I know you guys don't want that for yourselves. All 345 of you guys right now watching right now, you guys are going to make it. It's, it's going to be tough. It's not easy. You might even cry here or there. But I believe in you. Hit it. So no further ado, you guys, we are going to get into reacting into um, an Arthur Hayes video. He was recently on Bankless and probably had one of the most mic drop interviews of all time. Shout out to the Bankless guys. But um, great interview, by the way. I think I'll be one of the guys is there and stuff like that, which is um, 
Yeah, wondered why. Uh, maybe maybe some other stuff, but um, very great interview. Um, for you guys who don't know, Arthur Hayes, I think either founded or co-founded BitMEX, which was the biggest like leverage trading um, site for crypto for a long time, and pretty much dominated the space until they got shut down. So, um, yeah, some crazy stuff's going down, you guys. So, without further ado, man, share the screen. Actually, let me uh, put that into theater mode. Now, uh, just I leave that so you guys can see the title. But the uh, description, the the the, the video is down in the description box below, you guys. But uh, here you go, man. RNI dot FI, and make sure you never lose another. Yeah, and there's some airdrops going down, so check that pin message again, you guys. I got to tell you again, check the pin message and all the all the crypto mindset chats. There, read the whole thing. There's a nice little Easter egg. You guys go. You guys have probably 16 or 14 hours to to get it done. But if you miss it, it's still okay. You still can get into it, but there's something special if you do it, okay? As well as my next stream, I'm, ta I'm gonna talk about a really interesting airdrop that might just happen for the finally, we might actually have some action here, okay? So my next stream is probably gonna, my next stream on Thursday at 8 p.m. is gonna be an airdrop stream. Yay, degenerates. <laughs> Another airdrop. Arthur Hayes is a man that needs no introduction, but I will introduce him anyways. Arthur co-founded BitMEX in 2014, one of the original leverage trading platforms that dominated the space during the previous bull cycle. BitMEX got in trouble with the powers that be, and now Hayes has moved on to be the chief. Now, now we'll say one thing right here. <laughs> got in trouble with the powers that be. Yo, this man right here is such a G, bro. He literally was getting, like, he was getting shut down, and then he literally posted a picture of him hiking. He's like, catch me if you can. <laughs> He literally, he literally ran away and, got, and they couldn't find him. And he turned himself in later on and stuff like that. I think he's under like, I think he's under house arrest or something like that. Or, but like, this man is like still worth a lot of money and stuff. And he's he's actually a top holder in a lot, a lot of projects and stuff like that. I think he's actually the top top single holder outside of a dower fund for like looks rare and a couple other projects as well and stuff like that. So this this is a very smart man. And at one point, this guy basically controlled a lot of the volatility in crypto literally the minute he was out of power the bitcoin price started spiking kind of erratically at that point we started getting much more volatility in the space so that's how powerful he was at one point so there you go investment officer of a family office maelstrom but you might know arthur as perhaps the dominant financial creative writer in crypto when arthur hayes so. drops an article it commands the attention of basically everyone in the industry and not only is this one of those times in which we say babe wake up a new hayes piece just dropped but it's also one of the most chaotic and critical times in macro and monetary landscape that we've ever seen at least since 2008. so Arthur is going to hopefully walk us through how he is navigating these stormy waters as a banking crisis seems on the brink of creating a monetary crisis and what we all need to do about it. Arthur, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Cheers, my man. This is, uh, like I said, stormy times, creative, uh, and your creative writing, I think, has led people along and navigate, help people navigate this path. And I think that is what we want to do here today. And you start off this piece uh, in good fashion with some really interesting literary elements, starting with uh, this line, when you sit down for a Kaseki meal, the destination is known, but the path is not. And that really is the, the way that you guide us through this article. Can you talk about how this relates to the money printer? Because that's, I think, what you were really f referring to. So they're, real, they're about to get into, like, what's going on with the money printing, the, the bank space. And, like, he is, like, in, later in this interview, he puts into words 
the cycle of how we are going to inflate the dollar up as well as every other currency because every other currency in the world is competing against the dollar they want to be cheaper than the dollar so if if your dollar is is if, if my dollar is a dollar they want to be 90 cents because then it's cheaper for them for people for us to spend dollars in their country and buy their products and services and increase exports and stuff this is where a lot of countries make a lot of money and stuff like that and some countries have tr trade surpluses or at least are making some really decent amount of money and stuff like that so this this is kind of how the system works right now so if the u.s dollar starts really really uh, getting a lot of inflation then every other currency is also going to inflate just as hard because they're also stuck in this little drug system that has to do with like bonds and everything with banks and stuff. So uh, we're about to get into some crazy shit, you guys. So definitely pay attention, take some notes. And uh, from time to time, I'll be pausing the video, explaining some things as well. There's uh, like always, I don't agree with some things they say, but I do agree with most of what they say, but I'll explain why I don't. And you know, you, you take that with a grain of salt, however you like. Is a lot of these crypto people, myself included, we've all said eventually the money printer's coming back on. We don't know how, we don't know when, uh, but this is how you start off this article. Can you just unpack this metaphor? Because I think it's going to help yeah, us guide sure. us along as we go. Well, if we've, you know, I think a lot of people in crypto and just financial markets in general have gotten into the habit of studying past cycles to so get informed on how the policymakers will react to another disturbance in the banking industry. And if we go back, you know, hundreds of years when central banks were first created, and obviously the most important one today, Federal Reserve, created in 1913, and we look at what they do every time there is a flare-up or some sort of financial risk, we find that they resort to printing money. And the most poignant example of what happens in their minds when they don't print money is the 1930s depression in the US. And if you remember, the Fed was not as um, happy with the money printer go. Now this is a really, really good explanation of what happened. The only thing I'll probably disagree with him with right here with is like he's saying that because of them not doing that, it gave us such a great economy. No, no, no. If you actually read in, if you were actually read into what really happened and a lot of the stuff FDR did with the New Deal and stuff, it, it, it improved some things, but to tell you the truth, it didn't take us out of the Depression. World War II took us out of the Great Depression. A war did. So it's very likely we would have been in, we would have probably been still in the Great Depression and coming out of it around the time we finished the, I mean, it, it could have literally took until like the middle of the, 20, of the 1940s, maybe early 50s with demographic changes and stuff like well, maybe the new generation coming up and stuff, the baby boomers and stuff that would have maybe took us out and stuff. So we, we definitely, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over here. Like, you know, trying to like, you know, say that money printing, like, you know, money printing is evil and stuff. like that and all this other stuff that like you, you sometimes do need to do it, but there is a really good case. And I've also defended Ben Bernanke on this, that he's right. If they didn't do all this quantitative easing in 2009, um, it's very likely we would have gone into the, into a great, great depression and, um, basically would have thrown, would have thrown our fucking lives into, um, a really bad sort of point and stuff. And I, th I think it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty crazy sort of thought. I mean, more than likely if that had happened, I think the United States would have just fucking gone straight to war with something. I mean, I mean, talking about a real war. So I think this, I mean, it's, so we've saved actually a lot of lives and stuff, even though it's kind of fucked, but it, it just is what it is. But um, I'll let them continue on. ...button back in the day, and they actually allowed banking credit to get liquidated. I think um, 
I forget if he was Secretary, Secretary of the Treasury or not, but um, Andrew Mellon, you know, got, uh, remarked that they need to let the leverage get cleansed out of the system and people need to go bankrupt. And this was sort of the ethos back then, a little bit more uh, hewed to the free market capitalism versus, you know, modern day corporate socialism that is in most countries around the world. And so the U.S. authorities essentially let the banking crisis unfold. They let the system get cleansed of the leverage. And one can argue that the U.S. actually put itself in a better position vis-a-vis -vis Europe. Argue. Didn't do the same thing, faced <laughs> with the same sort of deflationary impulses. And ultimately, that led the way for the U.S. essentially to bail out um, the Western world. Though we were storing up gold, but here, here, here's a little, little cat. Oh, dude, I'm going I'm I'm to be pausing a lot. But... Um, there is something really interesting that happened in the 19 during the Roaring Twenties. Is a lot of a lot, um, people started seeing the oh shit, the shit's gonna start crashing. So there was a lot of people, the one percent of the one percent guys, basically like the, if there was the crypto bros, the like the real DeFi guys, the real DeFi guys started buying a lot of gold and silver, and hoarding up tons and tons of supply of it during that. And then when they crashed, they actually stayed wealthy. There was actually a subset of people that stayed extremely, extremely wealthy during the 1930s. And this was actually when we got the peak of the most expensive car era for, for I me mean, for a long, long time. I mean, we're talking about Duesenbergs and stuff. Like we're talking about very, very, like the, some of the most high advanced cars in the world were being created around this time. And there was, there was basically the FDR and a lot of these guys, essentially what they did is they made gold illegal and to hold for people and stuff over, I think you couldn't have over an ounce or something like that. And you could, you could still have a wedding band and a couple of like jewelry pieces, but they made it basically legal. They didn't really enforce it on regular people. What they did is they essentially knocked on doors and just stole basically like, imagine like, like they, um, imagine like the, the crypto things about a crash. We, we jump out, we jump out a dollar, we buy a bunch of Bitcoin and Ethereum and stuff. It all goes to every, the dollar goes to zero. And then basically they make, they make like, oh, it's illegal to hold a bunch of crypto unless you 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 tell everybody about it, right? And then they go into your house and just ex basically wrench gang and steal your wealth. And this is what happened. There was a lot of gold that was stolen from very very rich people, and a lot of some a lot of people in the 1930s got killed. This is a very unhurt. I mean, this is a very rare story I'm telling you about right now. But there there's people who profited extremely well off of that, and then the they, the government basically went in jacked all that gold so that's the reason the united states was in such a good gold position was because they killed a ton of people who made a lot of money and you know betting against the you know betting against the um the stock market or just was prudent enough to invest their money away and stuff like that. so that that's really what happened so uh yeah man full screen it when they decided to blow themselves up uh, in world war ii but after that, everyone learned this lesson. They thought they learned this lesson that anytime there is the threat of deflation, anytime there is a threat of uh, a baking panic, for whatever reason, the response must be to print money. And every single cycle, they come up with a new term for it. You know, the most recent one was quantitative easing, which I believe was a phrase coined by Professor Werner um, when he was talking about the Bank of Japan um, after the 1989 crisis. And Essentially, it just means that the central bank in some way, shape, or form is printing money. Now, technically speaking, it's not like the Federal Reserve has a money printer and there's a bunch of dollars coming out. In the prior circumstance, the, the Fed was printing bank reserves. Uh, and so you see this balance on the Fed's balance sheet of how much excess money the banking system has. And it's something like $3 trillion um, last time I checked. But that's essentially what they respond to. And so as crypto people are like, okay, well, 2000, 2009, Right after the global financial crisis, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. 
Um, that December, Ben Bernanke had basically announced that he is going to embark on this thing called quantitative easing, uh, purchasing these assets to sort of you know bring financial conditions more liquid so that people can make loans and businesses can expand, at least in, in his theory. And starting in March 2009 is when the Fed made its first purchase, and that pretty much marks the bottom of the S&P, about 666. And obviously, we know that the Bitcoin Genesis block was, you know, in, in January of 2009. And some could say that it was uh, in part a direct response to, um, you know, the biggest financial crisis since the 1930s and the response of the authorities, which different from then was to, OK, we're going to print money and bail everybody out. And so we went through that cycle um, from 2009 until basically up until 2020 uh, when Prior to COVID, the Fed was toying with this idea that they were going to, in Janet Yellen's words, watch paint dry as their balance sheet declined. And um, Jay Powell, who was the Fed chairman at the time, was in the beginning of trying to tighten monetary policy. And then all of a sudden, COVID-19 happened. And, you know, there were uh, the specter of lockdowns in America and the financial conditions started to tighten. Everybody was worried about all these different companies going out of business. The corporate credit market froze, and you know there's just basically a tailspin, and the S&P 10-year Treasury touched a low intraday low, I think 33 basis points, um, and then the Fed responded with an immediate emergency meeting, and they said essentially we're going to nationalize the entire U.S. corporate bond market by um, guaranteeing triple B and above, you can sell it to us, and we're going to provide infinite liquidity to make sure that financial conditions can stomach this pandemic. And then, obviously, in response, the, the U.S. federal government, um, out of any government in the entire world, developed and developing, printed the most money by basically handing out checks to people. Um, yeah, the stimmy checks, right? Everybody got a check. <laughs> now, I want to say the stimulus checks, even though they printed, a, <laughs> that was a lot of money that was printed out and stuff like that. Um, uh, there was a significantly um, really good amount that was also given to small businesses and stuff like that. And I really... The, the the PPP loans or the PPV loans and stuff like that as well as there's there's essentially a, a suite of like loans that were giving out one of them was essentially just free money just had a, a small business prove you had employees in this and make a certain amount of money and you just got a lot of cash then there's another one where if you wanted to take on some real debt you could and get lines of credit and be given a ton of money this is what caused a lot a lot of the problems in terms of the money printing and then also where these businesses actually deposited their, their their capital businesses small businesses i mean any business basically it's a lot more of a of a risk or a very high or very wealthy person is more of a risk when it comes to depositing money because let's just say i'm really pissed off with my bank fuck you guys i'm closing the bank account taking all that money out that's a larger amount of money so imagine like if the average if the average 35 year old has five thousand five hundred dollars that's your real stat look it up <laughs> um has like thir like five thousand dollars Imagine some guy who takes out a million bucks. That's a lot of people. I mean, just just look at that and stuff. That's quite a lot of that's quite a lot of capital and stuff. So most people got their got their stimmy check and deposited it into a bank and spent it or re invested it. Yeah, shout out to my boys. But um, hopefully you invested it. But that was either spent or invested, and that money just flowed off into where Amazon, Google. It mo like it literally, I think if I if I had to guesstimate, I think almost thirty percent of that money that was printed essentially just went into fucking Amazon.com to purchase stuff on Amazon. So, 
Um, that's why Amazon be, uh, went up quite a lot. Let me tell you that much and stuff. And like 1200 bucks isn't really that a lot of money, but like, but overall, I mean, you give that many people that much money. It's, it's still, it's a very stimulating effect, but where the crazy, where the crazy investment money came from and stuff like it was really from these small businesses and stuff. There's a lot of people that had businesses just threw all their money into crypto or threw it all into stock market and stuff. And this is what really raised the prices on everything. And on top of that, some of these businesses took these loans and just safely put it in the bank. Well, now the bank has more capital. Now they can borrow money. They can now borrow money. Money and they're out earning like so imagine that you have like you like you've just gotten a billion dollars a billion dollars of deposits or a, or 10 billion dollars of deposits right if you're earning three percent one percent two percent for free on it and stuff like that i mean the bank is essentially just printing like it was like 20 million per billion so if you get 10 billion i mean you're earning a lot you're earning 200 million if you have 10 billion dollars in deposits you're earning a significant amount of money in capital and stuff like that is quite a lot so go ahead some people bought, you know, went on Robinhood and punted crypto and Doge and stocks, whatever. Some people bought a, you know, got to put a down payment on a new car, whatever. Everybody got money and everybody did whatever they wanted to do with it, right? And so that was in the tune of a few trillion dollars. And guess what? People were like, oh, that's kind of inflationary. We don't actually want to own U.S. Treasuries if the government's just going to be handing out money to people. So what happened? The Federal Reserve's, you know, did their job and they bought almost half of the issuance of, of this debt and underpin this massive amount of money printing, the most since World War II for, for the U.S. And obviously crypto went from about, you know, three and a half, four thousand to 69,000 at the peak. And then obviously they throw, oh my fucking God, we overdid it. So we need to go the other direction. And then, you know, Jerome Powell raised rates the fastest of any Fed chairman in, in uh, modern day history. And now we are where we are today. The consequence of super easy monetary policy in one direction really quick, super tight monetary policy in the other direction really, really quick. And now we essentially bankrupted the entire U.S. banking system. So the, the punchline that I think really we need to get to is this thing called the BTFP, the Bank Term Funding Program. Uh, and you, thank you for walking us through the, like, what was the setup to this. But I want to really just drive this, the, uh, the setup home. Uh, and so a bunch of money gets printed in this crazy bull market that happened both inside and outside of crypto. And as a result of that, a bunch of new money gets deposited into a bunch of new banks. And this kind of sets up a lot of these commercial banks, the commercial banking sector into kind of a trap because once the Fed raised all the interest rates, all of a sudden the paradigm shifts. Can you, can you walk us through that last bit of context to set us up for the, uh, this bank term funding program? Sure. So obviously, you know, post the global financial crisis, essentially the U.S. banking system is bifurcated into the super large, too big to fail. They call them globally systemic important banks like the J.P. Morgan, the Citi's, Wells Fargo's, Bank of America, those type of banks. And then you have everybody else. Right. And there's a lot of the new regulations passed uh, on how to do banking in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, that's Dodd-Frank in the U.S. and Basel III uh, internationally. And basically what it meant was only the really large players could really make money because it's just so expensive to be a bank. Um, but, you know, America is very, you know, there's obviously high income disparities between um, people and businesses, but there is a big tail of people at the middle and the low end, right? And all these people got checks from the government. And what do they do? They went to their local bank. Um, it might not be a JP Morgan or a city, it might be a community bank, a regional bank, and they deposited all this money. And then, you know, let's take the, the one case that everybody's really focusing on, the Silicon Valley Bank. Okay, and you have this, 
this history of startups raising a lot of money. You have 2012. Now, what he's talking about here is a pretty important sort of a distinction here. Now, I sure 1,200 bucks. Everyone depositing that that does help out the banks, of course, right? Everyone's like, yay, more money in the system, right? But what he's talking about right here is during the you know the whole COVID lockdown, tech businesses like a lot tech businesses like Zoom and stuff and everything like that went bananas. So everyone's just trying to do some sort of online startup, and all that money that was raised was deposited. If fifty percent of all the startups in, in Silicon Valley were at Silicon Valley Bank, so you ended up having a huge bull market. And imagine you concentrated all that money, half of the money raised in Silicon Valley in one bank. And because of that, that bank had so much fucking money, they're like, "Holy shit, where do we put it? Where do we put it? Let's let's put it into any, basically we could put it anywhere and just make a ton of money." But what they didn't expect is the Fed, the Federal Reserve to increase interest rates to f basically where it's at right now, over 400 basis points higher from zero, basically, right? And because of that, the bonds that they bought crashed in price. And then they had a lock in, they had a lot of paper losses, basically. And then from there, a bank run happened. And then that's why they went down and stuff. So there you go. 2021 this massive money printing tech is just going bananas people are raising massive rounds and what do they do they stick all their money right back into the bank that was supporting them silicon valley bank right another you know no name small bank that sort of rose to prominence i don't know who published this chart but there's a great chart that shows percentage rise of deposits over the last um three years and you see silicon valley bank is like one of the biggest beneficiaries of of just deposits in general uh, and so as a bank, what do you do when you get a lot of money, right? The, the job of a bank is to take money from depositors and to lend it out, right? And, you know, as we know, banks don't actually like to take real risk. If there's a way that the bank can earn money without taking a lot of risk, and the risk in this sense is more like a credit risk, right? Lending to an individual person or a small business is way riskier than lending to, say, the United, an arm of the United States government. So the bank says, okay, well, I'm getting all these deposits essentially for free. I'm paying 0%. I can go lend to the U.S. government and treasuries 1% to 2%. I can help originate mortgages or buy mortgage-backed securities, and those yield 3 to 4%. And then on billions and billions of dollars, I just get to sit here and take money, pay nothing, lend money to the U.S. government, and I make 1% to 3% you know, net interest margins. That's a fucking great business. And you know, as I pointed out in the article, the, the shares of the small banks you know, soared, right? Something like uh, over one and a half times uh, in... Uh, from 2019 to 2021 at the peak because these banks had never had so much deposits, never had so much raw net income from just lending to the U.S. government. And then as a banker, how can you how can you lose your job? It's not like I'm going out and lending to like sketchy individuals. I'm literally lending to the U.S. government who essentially regulates me. So at what what's wrong? Basically, the, basically he, the government and all this printing, essentially what they did, what, what the federal government did, or no, wait, Skirt. <laughs> the Federal Reserve did, which is not a part of the federal government, <laughs> ish, and then the federal government ordering stuff around and stuff, right? Um, what in a in a weird roundabout way, they essentially created all this money printing. They and then that money printing went in, um, and a lot of this money went into the banking sector, and the banking sector basically was kind of pushed because the banking sector is a bunch of pussies. And, and they, instead of lending to people and, and, and like, like they're afraid of losses, they all essentially went to the bond, the U.S. bond market and started buying bonds and mortgage-backed securities. So in a roundabout way, the Fed has basically paid the banks to buy U.S. bonds.
huh, interesting. So instead of directly like just printing money and buying bonds because it looks bad, they found a roundabout way to essentially make sure that the, the, the government can keep paying its bills. And then, then when it issues out $100 billion in bonds, there's people buying it. I, I don't see, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm thinking I'm a bank manager, this is like, this is the best trade ever. My stock price goes up, I make a lot of money, I'm taking little to no credit risk um, because I'm lending to the government. So and, that's and also a importantly, this, they're this buying situation. very long term bonds, correct? That's also like a super important part of the story. Yeah, so they, 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 didn't, they couldn't just lend to the U.S. government on like an overnight basis or a one-year basis because that was basically zero because that was where the Fed, the Fed plays in that you know, zero to one to two-year mark. That's where they really control um, the short end of the curve, and that was at zero percent as per Fed policy. So they said, okay, we need to take more duration or time risk. Let's lend to the government for longer periods of time so we can earn more income. Ten right? years. So that's, you know, ten-year treasuries, Goddamn mortgage good. bonds. <laughs> And essentially what that means from a risk perspective is the longer the bond, the riskier it is um, as interest rates change. And so a small change in interest rates can change the price of a 10-year, 30-year bond much more than a small. So, so you know now, right? So you, know how the, you, know the, you know how the interest rates have gone up to like 4%, right? For almost 5%, right? For the, the federal fund rate. Your savings account, we should start having like within a year or so. The way if it if the banks were working how they're supposed to be working, you should have a five or six percent savings account earning interest now. Because the bonds will pay out more than that. But that's not happening. They're paying you nothing in the bank. So essentially the reason the banks all did this shit was because they're like, well, three percent's nothing. That's inflation. But yeah, but if you're just getting money for free and you're earning interest off of free money, it's all profit. Right? You your million dollar deposit. They're earning 3% on that. They're earning 30 grand for free off of you. Off, well, that's 1%. I guess it'd be 90 and shit. <laughs> but still, I digress. But still, like, like if they're earning... If they're earning oh, actually, no, it was 30,000, my bad. Um, the, yeah, so they're earning thirty thousand dollars off every million dollars deposited and stuff, and they're not doing anything. So the, the bank's just like, sheesh, we're just earning all this cash right now. So imagine a billion dollars, a billion, a billion dollars of brand new deposit. The bank's like, yeah, we, we're, just, we're just counting up cash right now. But then the problem is that they all got these 10-year bonds. And then when the, when the Fed started increasing interest rates really rapidly, goddamn, they, they got smoked. All change in interest rates can change the price of a bond that's going to mature in the next year. And so the banks, instead of having credit risk, they had duration risk. Um, if interest rates rose, they stand to lose a lot of money. And so from 2008, the banking sector probably loses their appetite for credit risk. I think that's one of the important pieces of setup here. And so what you're saying is they go into uh, the most solvent entity that exists, which is the Fed, because they can print money. But in order to have any sort of margin whatsoever, they have to buy the longest term bonds because we were existing inside of a paradigm of zero interest rates for so long. That was the equilibrium that has been established almost almost completely since 2008. And so that's the setup for like what I'm modeling out as like the Fed rug, rug, rug pull because they inject a bunch of liquidity and then they jack up interest rates faster than they've ever jacked them up before. And so Arthur, what does this do to the banking sector? And like, this is the setup for this current crisis that we're inside of, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So the banking sector has all these U.S. government bonds, long-dated bonds, and then the Fed goes, "Okay, we've us and the fiscal politicians have created all this inflation. We need to we need to rein this in." 
And so we're going to raise rates really, really fast. And, you know, Jerome Powell thinks he's the, the modern day Paul Volcker, who, you know, that starting in 1979, really short term rates, something almost like 20 percent to sort of break the back of inflation. Um, and Powell says, OK, we're going to raise rates, too, really, really fast to get to, in his mind's neutral. And so the Fed is targeting uh, core personal consumption expenditures, core PCE is, is their measure. Um, and so he needs to raise rat rates really, really fast. So if you, if you look at this chart right here, right? So in the red, which is the, our current, which is our current time right now, this is how fast he's increased rates. Boom, 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 boom. I think that this black one right here, this is Paul Volcker. He just like went, brrr, just shot it. So basically this is the second fastest increase of rates like damn near ever. In, in terms of a short amount of time. Now there's ones here where they just jumped it up, boom, boom, and then stop. You see there's a huge flat line, but these are consistent stair steps up, 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 and this is the 25 basis point increase. Well, if you look at it, right, we're probably going to get two to three more, more 25 basis point increases. So one, two, three. So we're somewhere over here, basically. So it just puts us at these 5.5. And I've said this for a lot. Of, if you guys have been paying attention to my streams, five and a half percent, is when small cities start going belly up. Because small municipality, damn, I have trouble saying that word. <laughs> but like the, basically your 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 local, you know, your local state, your local state cities and stuff who borrow money and stuff. They also buy bonds and stuff, and they're also underwater. And they've like, oh my god, and cities always make the worst fucking investments. God damn, dude. So we're gonna start, we're gonna start, and then on top of that, you also have a lot of a lot of people taking real estate loans and stuff that are in these kind of arms or these kind of bubbles and shit, bubble loans and stuff where um, they, they stay at a very low interest rate and then they balloon to the current interest rate. So imagine you're bar like, I, I actually know a couple guys that bought all their real estate in San Francisco oof, at 1.7% interest. Nice. But it's a very special loan. Instead of locking in 3%, 3.5%, they decided, no, no, I want the maximum, I want to maximize my cash flow. And I'm going to do a two-year super low rate and then whatever the current interest rate is, right? And at the time, you're like, oh, interest rates are going to stay zero forever. So it's been 10 years. And um, they, they, they do that deal. They have a 1.7% interest rate. And then it just jacks up to six. That means they're going to be paying like, like uh, there goes all the cash flow with the interest payments. Oof. Right. So at five and a half percent right now, because I think right now, yeah, we're four and a half right now. Basically, when we hit up to this four, five point twenty five, five point fifty, we are going to get into some, we are going to start seeing fireworks, you guys. More than likely, what we're probably going to see is we're going to touch that level, either five point twenty five is my if, if, if I'm being honest, I think we stay at five twenty five. I think that's where we, we chill out for a while. And then when shit goes down, I think the Fed's going to lower us down to three percent, which is right here. And stay there. We stay at either 3.5 or 3%. And that's a long term where the rates are going to stay at probably for the next five years. After five years, we go probably go back to zero again. So, and that's mostly because of demographics. We start getting the millennials entering the capital, the capital time of their era and stuff. Where you start getting, um, the, the, we start getting a lot of millennials entering the 45 age, 40 age and stuff. I'm, I'm currently in my, I'm currently 30. So 
that's still 15 years away from me, right? But as time goes on, more and more of us start entering working age. So we start controlling more and more of the economy and more of our cash and um, income starts going up. So then there's a lot of capital in the banks and stuff. So we start earning more money. We start saving more money for retirement. And then that flushes the system with cash and then drives rates down. And then we could probably get another like lower, we can end up having closer to like, you know, 2% rates, lows or stuff like that. So it'll be cheaper to borrow money at the time. So FYI. Obviously, every month there's a new high in year-on-year -year inflation as measured by the Consumer Price Index, and the politicians are all over him. You know, the, the Democrats are looking like they're going to get their asses kicked in the midterm elections because everybody's worried that the price of gas and the price of milk is going up. So there's all this pressure on the Fed, beat inflation, beat inflation, beat inflation. Fed goes, okay, well, we stuffed the banking system full of reserves, right? So there's, they're very, very solvent. There's trillions of dollars sitting over here that I see. Um, from, from the banks that I regulate, okay, they can handle it. So they start jacking rates. And so what happens? The, the prices of bonds in 2022, so Fed communicates starting in December 2021, hey, we're going to start this thing called quantitative tightening, which means we're going to allow the bonds that are maturing on our balance sheet, we're not going to reinvest them into the bond market. So our balance sheet is going to shrink slowly at the tune of about $100 billion a month starting in, uh, they've ramped up starting in September of 2022. And we're going to raise the short-term policy rate starting in March. So they started raising policy rate in March. Quantitative tightening kicks in. So you have this dual effect. Not only is the price of money going up, but the quantity of money is going down uh, as well. Uh, and so it's really, really tightening uh, financial conditions. And as a result, 2022 was one of the worst years for the bond market on record, right? Because when you move from essentially 0 to 1% interest rates to even 2 3 4%, so, and then this is something that like, I actually taught, if you guys actually go back, there was like, um, I'm not sure if it was a financial adventure stream we did on um, Fresh and Fit when we were in Miami. It was like me, George Gammon, and a couple other guys in there and stuff. When we talked about when interest rates are increasing, the, 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 the price on the bond actually goes down because there's brand new bonds you could buy that have the higher interest rate. So they have to make themselves cheaper. So they're, so that, that their yield that, that the, whatever yield they're paying. So if it's a hundred, so. If the yield goes up 2%, the bond has to go down 20, 30, whatever, whatever amount of dollar amount in order to lower it down. So when you, you can buy it at $72 and the yield's equal to the new bonds or it won't be competitive in the bond market. So that's what happens with bonds and stuff. So shout, there's this guy who was, he was the bond king. He basically started his career the, the day that PIMCO, or no, the day that Paul Volcker stopped increasing the interest rates and then basically was selling bonds. So when, bond, when, when interest rates are really, really high and they start going down, bond prices go like this. So you're just, you're just whatever asshole, you just buy whatever bond, hold it, sell it for more money later, and, you just, and then that's what happened. So he made billions, shout out to my boy. <laughs> he made a lot of money. Then in 2009, he left the market, says, yeah, um, uh, the interest rate hit zero, I'm out, he retired. Genius, I'm talking about, yo, career-wise, genius. So when we get these higher interest rate spikes and stuff, basically um, around 5.25, 550, that'd probably be a really good time for bond uh, bond investors to really make some money because then the rates are going to start going down and you can um, people, not us, we're, I'm not going to play in that market, but people who are in the bond market are going to make some cash and shit. So right now they're in a they're in a biblical recession for their industry right now. Like to us, it is oh yeah, it's only a few percentage points difference in the rate of interest, but that's a two, three, four X change in the nominal level of interest rates and on a highly nonlinear bond that has a lot of what we call gamma convexity um, at the zero bound, it causes ridiculously bad losses for anybody who's long bonds. And as we saw, bond funds got their asses kicked. 
um, Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index was down something like 15 or 20 percent in the Ugh, year, which is the worst for bonds. Yikes! Probably you know, late early 19th century, um, at least in the U.S. context in terms of the bond market. And the banks are basically sitting on all these losses. And so the bank's balance sheet is broken up into two things. They have what we call available for sale bonds, which are the bonds that they, they mark to market. And so those will fluctuate and you can see you know, gains and losses. And then they have held to maturity securities, which is this essentially sleight of hand that they get. So look, look at all the losses they have right now. So um, if you guys go into my um, pe- previous streams, live streams, I've done videos on banks and stuff and what's, what, happened with, uh, what happened with the banking collapses and stuff. It's a USD stream uh, that has in the, in the thumbnail. But basically, there's two buckets that, that banks are holding on to, right? So you have, you have bonds that you hold, on to the, you hold in, in one bucket. And then you have an, and so you basically have liquid bonds and staked bonds, just to make it simple for the, for the, for the people in the, in the crypto community. So... Basically, basically, if you're if you're a bank and you're going to hold on to a bond for a long time and you're not going to sell it, you're just going to wait and just collect your just collect the dividends off of it and then collect your original money. Then basically, um, the banks, uh, the United States government has put a special provision because you're not going to sell it, then it shouldn't be on your balance sheet. But if you t- if you put too many of your bonds on that side right there, you can get into this problem where you can have a bank run. So you get in- so it's this kind of this ebb and flow where you have to put a certain amount in the in the staked category and, and a certain amount in the unstaked category. And if you don't have enough st- unstaked income, if there's ever a, a huge demand for your for your stuff, you can go belly up and you can have a bunch of losses. So there's tons of banks that basically because these bonds started going really bad because the interest rates started increasing, a lot of these banks were like, well, let's hide this off the balance sheet because we want to keep our stock prices high. So they put it into the the staked category, which they can at any time. So it's a way of banks can kind of play around with the numbers when it comes to their bank and stuff. And Silicon Valley did a lot of that right there and basically didn't have enough cash on hand and had a bank run. So they basically staked all their hex in that term. And then, bro, you need to pay me my hex back. I don't have it. It's all staked. Motherfucker! And then <laughs> belly up. Get the play. They say, oh, I have a 30-year bond. I'm not going to sell it for 30 years. Therefore, even if the price goes down 50%, because I'm, I'm waiting for maturity and I'll get back all my money plus interest, I don't need to mark that to market. And so if I have a lot of health and maturity securities and the prices start tanking, hey, regulator, don't, don't come after me for breaching regulatory deposit or, you know, requirements. These are health and maturity. You can hold these at par. And the regulators, oh, okay, sure, because we don't want to like actually like do our jobs and you know look at what the banks actually hold. And so then we get to play this game that the banks have all these unrealized losses on held to maturity securities, but on that, from an accounting standpoint, they're they're solvent and they meet all the requirements. And so, and for some things- reason, this is legal, which is insane, right? Because we're we're basically pricing in the future of what a bond will be priced at in the future and saying that you can account for that today. Do you have any intuition as to why this is allowed? Well, you know, from, a, from a logical standpoint, if, you, if the bank says, I'm never going to sell this and- All right, uh, listen, listen up, you guys. I think he's a little about to talk about what, what I just said earlier. This is really important right here. From a, from a logical standpoint, if, you, if the bank says, I'm never going to sell this and um, it's with the US government, then I should not be penalized in terms of a capital charge. So if you think you know, U.S. Treasuries don't require any additional capital against them as per, I think, Basel III banking regulation. So what is the bank versus if they lent to you and me, they need, they need to reserve against losses, right? Because we could. Uh, yeah, so because they're buying U.S. debt, 
they give them special like because they know U.S. debt sometimes isn't the best thing to buy, so they give them special little hey, thanks for buying this. You get this like tax break. It's just like hey, you bought real estate, we're gonna give you this tax break. Got it. Cool. Or you spent or if you and you can devalue. So that's why there's so much like r- good tax breaks and stuff for real estate because that's good for the economy and stuff like that. Well, it's good for the it's good for the U.S. government for people to be buying bonds, banks banks buying U.S. bonds and stuff like that. So they give them special they give them special like leeway on that. Default. So from a capital perspective, lending to the government means I don't have to put up additional equity or capital against these loans or uh, reserve for losses versus lending to real people and real businesses. That's required. That's considered riskier. Therefore, I need to put up additional capital. So am I going to make those loans? Fuck no. I'm going to lend to the government. <laughs> right? I'm getting 2 or 3% risk-free, essentially, for doing that versus taking real risk to underwriting you a see, loan. You see, these smart motherfuckers cuss, bro. He's like, let me tell you this right now. They're, they had us put, like, a, they, I think for the stream, they had us like, hey, you guys, um, you know, he, Arthur Hayes actually cusses quite a few times in here. Just FYI. <laughs> like no no i'm just around but like but but it's just it's so funny because this guy literally this is one of the smart this really smart man in crypto this is a this is like a top 20 guy in crypto in terms of like managing money and all this stuff i'm not talking about a guy developing code and stuff but um in terms of the markets here in crypto and like this man cusses and that's what i'm telling you like yeah and then getting charged more capital and, and possibly i could be in breach of my of my requirements and have to go to the equity markets and raise more funds and just not not a lot of fun. I like to do the easy thing and still get paid, right? And so that's what banks did. Sure. And importantly, regardless of how you measure the value of the bond, whether the government allows you to measure it at the full term maturity, it still doesn't change the fact that there's only so much cash that's available for withdrawal by all of these banks. And so that yeah, kind of brings us to where we are today. The, right. like the market doesn't lie, you know, the treasury's down 30%. Okay, cool. You can ignore it for 30 years, or if you have to sell it today, then you're realizing a 30% loss. And, and that right. was the issue. And that, this is kind of where we are in the current state of affairs in the last like week or so, where the bank stocks are like red across the board. Uh, and so can, can you just like give us an audit, a sit rep of the current state of the United States banking sector? Like everything from my knowledge is like, deeply red uh how bad is it it again it's a bifurcated market it's um Mm. i think the the u.s is sort of at this um ideological turning point they don't know what to do right it's do we want to be like china which has you know essentially four state banks all credit is you know going through those banks and that's bank of china icbc big communications um and uh, ccb china construction bank you could uh, the analogous would be like J.P. Morgan, City, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, right? Is that what the U is that what China, the, really like, the banking system to be? Let's have four really really big banks. So basically, what he's saying is like that's kind of what's going. We're starting to see the beginning of what's going on right now. Is we're having a we're having a this is basically like an inside job right now to destroy a lot of the smaller banks in America in order to concentrate the banking sector and in order to bring out the central bank digital currency and stuff. We won't be we won't be at the same level as like. China with only four banks, but we're probably going to go down to like probably a hundred, maybe two hundred. I think uh, if I remember correctly, FDIC has fifty six hundred partner banks. So imagine that like that that list growing smaller and smaller to a thousand or something like that. Maybe over the next ten twenty years. Yikes! They do all the credit creation. They're super sound. But there's, you know, they, they ossify, there's little to no financial innovation, blah, blah, blah. But 
you know, they're essentially actors of the state? Or do we want to have a more freewheeling market where you have thousands of small banks catering to the different, um, you know, how a different location might do banking or different credit conditions, right? It's kind of the reason why you have either like a one central bank, which is like, let's say the ECB, right? There's one central bank for all of Europe versus the Fed system where there's, I forgot how many regional banks there are and they feed up into, into the board of governors, right? Because it's a little bit more decentralized structure because the U.S. is coming from this agrarian perspective of, okay, there's different regions in the U.S. that have different industries. Therefore, there's going to be different rates of interest that it would apply, which one do you want to choose? It's sort of a philosophical question. And so essentially in the U.S. you have this sort of um, schizophrenia. You have on the one hand all these rules that are supposed to make banks safer, but all they do is increase the cost of compliance and mean that there's only really a few handful of players that can afford to do it. They're really, really big banks. And then you have all these long tail of smaller banks that essentially serve all the things that the big banks don't want to do because the big banks don't need to serve Silicon Valley startups, the crypto industry, um, legal marijuana, like all these different things that, that people, that other banks might cater to that the big banks don't need to because. Yeah. So he's basically saying these big banks, because they have, they have, everyone just has all their money at there. They, they can do all these passive investments and stuff and make tons of money and they can afford to do all this stuff and do all these low risk strategies along with then doing degenerate, like basically investment banking stuff in the background. Right but manipulating markets and stuff. But then these small banks, essentially, they have to get into niches in order for them to actually make money and stuff. So crypto banking, you know, uh, corp, some some small startups, you basically pick your lane. You, oh, you guys all know, like, you know, out in the Midwest, there's like a bank that essentially lends to farmers. Like they have their niches where they, they make their money and stuff. So they become very, very, um, you get a lot of snipers or very, like, very, like, they're, they're basically, if we're talking about, money you know like um you know looks 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 game you know whatever the fuck it is right i'm fucking um, <laughs> a little a little speeding right here but basically uh you they're, they're highly concentrated in one vertical and stuff because they know it so well and they can make money in there and stuff but then this stuff is really hurting the small banks because it, it gets rid of that so this is actually gonna the, if more banks keep going down this hurts america because then p businesses small businesses which is the backbone of america and the rest of the world let's be for real um, can't get these loans and stuff, then it's really, really bad. And this is probably where crypto is going to come in. I would imagine in the next 10, 20 years, where we're going to, since they're rugging that, then the small bank is going to, all that business is probably going to go to crypto, DeFi. Because they have so much business. They have the biggest companies in the world stashing billions of dollars of deposits. They can lend them money. It's very safe. Like, those are the kind of clients that these smaller banks will never, ever have. And so you have this sort of, this different banking system. So the big banks are fine. They've got trillions of dollars of excess liquidity with, with the Fed. They have essentially an ex explicit government guarantee because they're deemed too big to fail. Um, but then the smaller banks don't have this guarantee. They're supposed to be these free market actors responding to you know, supply and demand in the, in the market. And, and so that was a setup for where we are today. Everybody did the same trade. It's just the smaller banks did it in much bigger size relative to their equity capital. They got a lot of deposits that they never had before. They made a lot of loans to the U.S. government, right? And not only the U.S. government, they were responsible for a lot of the, you know, construction loans, a lot of the commercial real estate loans, which is now in focus, right? So they were doing all the things that generate the economic activity of, of the United States. And, and in most countries in the world, it's the small businesses, the single operators. They're responsible for the majority of all economic activity. Those people can't get accounts 
at a JP Morgan or a city, but they can get an account at um, First National, uh, at a Silicon Valley bank, at a, some of these smaller banks. And so they were the ones making all this, these riskier loans. They were the ones who had much more exposure to you know, a rise in interest rates based on their government bond portfolios. And that's where we are today. Now, obviously, all banking stocks are down across the board, but no one's worried that JP Morgan's going out of business. But they're worried about these smaller banks that, that aren't too big to fail. The question mark of what is, a, what is the government going to do? Are they going to extend? Can they access a discount window? Are they able to do the things that a JP or a city can do vis-a-vis um, -vis their interactions with, with the government? And this, this uncertainty was, is what's driving people out of the system. Like, well, okay, do I leave my money at this smaller bank and take any risk that for whatever reason, the politicians decide this one, we're gonna let this one fail. We're gonna do free market over here, socialism over here. And so then you're like, I'm gonna go with socialism because then I get my money back. And then that's, and that's the problem. So all the deposits are like, fuck this, I'm out. And then as the deposits leave, the small banks are like, okay, well, what do we have to do to, to, to give back the money? We have to sell these bonds. And then that is why, this, this is where this bank term funding program uh, came about. It's like, okay, the Fed doesn't want us to sell the bonds because if they sell these treasuries, not only do they realize a loss and technically go bankrupt, they um, uh, create a disorderly market in the treasury market, right? Because liquidity has declined since 2008 when essentially the, the government made it very hard for banks to make markets and, and treasuries profitably. So they said, you know, okay, we're going to step back. Now the majority of liquidity are these non-bank financial actors, but you know they're not going to provide liquidity you know, when it's needed. They'll provide it when it's not needed, the fair weather friends of the market. And so the last thing the Fed and the Treasury want is everyone dumping bonds to get deposits to just go to stuff them in JP Morgan, right? It's kind of this like, <laughs> it's this vicious cycle, right? Okay, we need to bail out the small banks because everyone is, not, is worried that we're not going to extend the same preferences to them that we're extending to these big guys over here. So everyone's going to the big guys and then the small banks go under and it causes all this, 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 you know, this knock on effects. And so that was what the bank term fund program is there, to, is there to solve. It says, don't worry, you don't need to sell your bonds. If depositors leave, just give us the bonds. We'll give you the full value of the bond in cash. And then you give for just one year, FYI, just for one year. And then, but, but yeah, like basically, but, but yeah, basically I explained this in the previous stream, but, but yeah, pretty much, um, they've kind of backstopped these banks and now, now it's kind of put the banks in a really interesting spot. They can kind of do more degenerate shit now. This has actually brought a lot more leverage. I think brought more like crazy leverage and how we we're probably gonna have a very, very nice bull market. <laughs> uh, so wealth transfers to us, but make sure to take profit you guys. But I, I have a feeling we're gonna have a really good green hockey stick in the future for the next year and then 2025 damn we're gonna be living nice sheesh if you're about to deposit of cash and now you've you've done your duty as a bank no issue no bank failures you might not make any money but management you're not looking like guys from svb silvergate signature who don't have a job anymore because they've been taken over you know you there right so that's that's essentially the program in essence I actually haven't heard it articulated in this particular way that I actually find this really, really useful. My, my mental model for like... Well, obviously the, you got to listen to dollar cost crypto, but okay, never mind. Uh, all the shenanigans <laughs> that have happened in the banking sector is that there's been a flight upstream to the big banks. The long tail of banks is more or less getting cut off because of the rise, fastest rising interest rates that we've ever had. That, I think, is more or less what mo most people understand. The fact That's that true. these... 
the, the fact that this long tail of banks are also serving the long tail of the economy is actually a new a new insight for me that I haven't heard before. And so this is perhaps why you're, you're, you started this conversation saying, well, what do we want out of our banking sector? Do we want it to be like China where everything does centralize in the four biggest banks inside of the country? Or do we want to actually promote the long tail of banks that promotes the long tail of the United States economy? And I think what you're saying is this new institution, this new bank term funding program is a political statement that we do want to support that long tail. Is this, this is my interpretation. It's kind of a halfway house. It's not there yet. It's, it's solved the first problem. The first problem was I'm not gonna get my deposit back. So after, you know, this, it was um, Silvergate first. Now, unfortunately, they were the, they were the runt of the, of the litter. No one's getting their money back. Um, and then you had Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Depositors are getting their money back, but management's been kicked out. Equity's been zeroed, right? And then the, the third iteration was, okay, we have bank term funding program. Nobody's going bankrupt. Nobody's losing their jobs. Depositors get their money back. But the, the, the cost is it's not free. So... The problem is that my deposits are, were at 0%. The Fed, via the reverse repo and short-term treasury yields, is 4 to 5%. And so depositors are like, okay, I can leave my money here, take risks that this bank goes bust, and I get zero. Or I can go give my money to the Fed overnight via a money market fund. They can print money. They'll always pay me back. And I get 4%? Why the fuck am I sitting in this deposit? Mm. And so I'm just going to keep funneling money up to the Fed, right? Funneling money to the U.S. government in, in short-term treasury, treasury bills. So basically saying for people who have a ton, a ton of money and stuff like that, they're like, man, why the fuck do I even have my money in any of these banks at all? This is, now, this is a bigger level, okay? This is a bigger level of playing here. This is where, like, you're really playing with, like, tens of millions of dollars. Where, like, you, like, you, you know, if you have a few, now, if you have, like, five million or less and stuff like that, you can, you can open bank accounts. You can have, you can, you can, end, it, it's, a, it's annoying, but you can have 10 banks. You know, 10 banks, money here or there. You can open some multiple accounts in your FDIC. What happens is you start getting 10, 20, 30 million dollars plus and stuff. You start having a lot of capital. And some of these players who are in some of these smaller regional banks are saying, fuck this shit. Let me just buy, let me just buy U.S. bonds because they'll always print them for me. So instead, they're like, they're basically like <laughs> this. I love how I can always explain everything in hex terms. But basically, like, it's like I have all this liquid hex, but these banks are going to like rug. Like, I might lose my liquid hex position. So I'll just stake my hex on the main hex staking contract, or I'll stake it with the U.S. government. And even though I won't have it liquid there, I'll be being paid a little dividend, and um, I, won't lose my, I won't lose my money because he's like, well, okay, if I have $40 million, let me put $20 million of my money in bonds, get paid that 4 fucking percent, and I know I won't get rugged from this money anyway, so I'll get my 4%, and I'll get my... And I'll get my um, and I'll get my original money back. And then and if anything happens, the U.S. government will just print the money, so I'll get my capital back. Cool. And then I'll and then I'll structure myself in the banks. And then I'll move some of my bank from the small banks over to the bigger banks. Oof. And and what does the Fed do? It says okay, well to fund that, we're just going to let the banks give us their underwater um, paper, their mortgages, their treasuries, and we'll give you back dollars. But that doesn't solve the issue that the difference between what the banks can afford to pay, which let's call 1% on deposits, versus what the federal government is giving on an overnight basis, which is 4 to 5%. Is Ooh, did you just hear what he said right there? Did you hear what he said right there? That's the incentive right there of why, like, the Fed is rugging the banking sector, basically. Why the fuck would I leave my, my deposits here for 1% when, when they, the, the federal government or the Fed 
which isn't a part of the federal government. I know that. Just stop telling me that, please. For the love of God, I know that. It just sounds better saying it. All right. Um, I'm a I'm a word poet. Um, but the federal but the the federal the Federal Reserve is paying four percent. Soon to be five and a half. For too large, right? The banks can't make money. Short, like small banks cannot make money borrowing short and lending long. We saw this with the inverted yield curve, you know, two year versus 10 year, two year versus 30 year at, you know, before this crisis broke out, 100 basis points negative, um, essentially massively inverted, which is telling you the banking system cannot make money. And as students of financial history, the, you know, the central banks know that if your banking system in a fiat economy and this, this leveraged business cycle that we have, if your banking system is not sound, your economy can never be sound. And it's been evidence time and time and again, right? Japan, 1989 crash, economy's flatlined for the past 30 years. China, tried to go after its property market. Banking system, banking system was about to collapse. They've relaxed some things a bit, but China's on path for another 20 to 30 years of essentially, if you look at the real numbers, zero growth, right? Because the banking system needs to allocate these losses. The US did, this, well, some people will say the smart thing in the 1930s, very painful, they allocated losses in the 1930s, caused a Great Depression. However, that was all expunged, that the GDP was much lower when they came into World War II versus Europe, who didn't do that. And they benefited from it because they took the pain. This, this situation, we don't take the pain. We, we, we extend it out further. But the pain will get paid by just below trend or zero growth. And so this is what happens when the banking system can't make money and everyone requires a loan to expand output. The, you, the small banks cannot make money if the Fed funds rates at 4%, even if they give, give their treasuries to the Fed. Great, they've, they've solved the bankruptcy issue. Everybody gets back their money, but the bank cannot make money. The, the bank is just going to accrue losses. So these stocks, even if they're not a zero, they're dead money. Why would you invest in these things? These small banks can't make money, especially if the yield curve is, even if the yield curve goes positive, the short end rates are still too high relative to their blended costs of where they originated these initial loans. They can't pay 4% on Fed funds. So while the Fed has solved the issue of everybody getting their money back, um, who's a U.S. bank who holds treasuries, they haven't solved the issue of I'm a small bank. I cannot power the American economy because I can't issue loans because I'm losing money and their interest rates are too high at the short end for me to pay depositors something that's going to attract them to my bank so that I can lend money to the small business or the single proprietor. So they've solved this very small issue. I mean, it's massive impact in terms of liquidity, but they still haven't solved the real issue, which is the, the banking system is broken. They can't make money, they can't make loans, and the U.S. economy and I would say most of the developed, developed world economies are on on track for a nasty. Um, this is this is a smart dude. Now he doesn't have access to exchange anymore and everything like that. This dude has made some really good money moves recently and stuff, tracking his wallets. Uh, but uh, he's made he's actually he was he bought looks rare at a really great price and then made some really good amount of Ethereum. Dude, this guy's this smart this smart smart dude and stuff. And of course, not all his wallets are are public. Of course. It's a cycle credit-induced recession because the banks can't make any money with short rates this high. This high. 
Uniswap is the largest on-chain marketplace for self-custody fiat. Right for you. God damn, they they just sneaked it on YouTube. Trash, bro. That was basura, dude. My God, man. My my commercial is gonna be way funnier and better. I swear to you. You want to lose all your money, shitcoin trading? Use Uniswap. Uniswap. <laughs> Oh, LOL. LOL, man. All right, let's go. <laughs> uh, what is going to happen, going from the past and present in, into the future. So there's a couple of different threads we can pull on. There's the, the recession thread. It's like, okay, so I think you actually kind of just illustrated that, that this is what's next is at, at best uh, non-growth, at worst uh, a recession. But then also I want to talk about, because like what's going on in the, on the other side of uh, uh, this content sphere is, is Bology's insane prediction that Bitcoin is going to hit a million dollars inside of 90 days because... <laughs> oh, hell no, dude. But hey, shout out to your boy. That was a, that, that was a good move for that guy marketing-wise. I don't, I don't even know who this guy was beforehand. So, I mean, hey, I get it, bro. But, yo, 90 days, homie? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You should have been in, like, plan B or some shit, like, with the, like, you know, giving yourself a little rope there, at least. Uh, <laughs> all of this money printing, all this QE is coming into this world. And I, I'm wondering, what's your, what's your take on that? And so we'll, we'll talk about the recession. We'll talk about how this relates to crypto assets and what we all need to do about it. But let's actually start with crypto assets. Uh, because we have this bank uh, term funding program, we have a bunch of new injection of liquidity and money into the economy. Uh, what does this do to crypto? And what does this do to just, or, or risk assets in general? Pay, pay attention to this, because this this is how the money, like he, he formed it very well. I've explained versions of this, like pieced together, but he did a, he, he's gonna do some masterwork right here on on how how this game, how the inflation game is going to obviously increase and sort of thing. Now, now notice this, earlier this year, they passed they passed something where banks, can hold two percent of their balance sheet in crypto. Interesting. So if the if if all this money printing is happening and more and they have more deposits, they may start actually like one or two percent is not like that that risky for a bank to hold. So they hold a little Bitcoin and Ethereum. A lot of that printed money starts entering into the into the crypto space. And remember what I've taught you guys: Bit, crypto is the only place where trickle down economics actually works. Which is I know it's it's kind of crazy. Some people, some some economists are like, oh, having heart attacks and shit. Me saying that. But it, it, it is because of Hart's Law and the way a lot of LPs work and stuff with Ethereum and stuff. So and, and L1s with um, with Phantom and stuff like that, or these L2s and stuff. So the main liquidity token, if it's paired, if it's got large amounts of liquidity paired to Ethereum and stuff, and Ethereum goes up significantly in price, it drags up those prices of those tokens up. And then that springboards th their LPs which on their shit coins, which then go up tremendously as well. And then you end up having the whole section just moving gloriously to the upside. Chef's kiss. Speaking. Right. So let's separate risk assets. So um, I, I spoke about this at the end of my article. Um, I think it's uh, Perry. I forgot his name. This is a Professor. I think Cornell, um, Columbia. Inside money, outside money. Inside money is money where you're a liability on somebody else's balance sheet, right? Inside money is a U.S. dollar. Inside money is Japanese yen, euro, seat, you know, a yuan, whatever. Inside money is stocks. Inside money is bonds, right? These are all things that exist in the financial ecosystem. You can't utilize these things without interfacing with the fiat financial system and the people deputized to act in it. Then you have outside money. Outside money is not a liability on somebody else's balance sheet. That would be gold. That would be 
your real estate, your apartment, or your house. That would be Bitcoin, obviously. Um, outside money doesn't care what happens to the banking system. The banking system goes bust, outside money still works. You still can live in your house. You still can walk around with a bar of gold. You still can use the Bitcoin blockchain. Sheesh. Irregardless of, regardless of whether or not JP Morgan or Citi or First National. That's right, or motherfuckers. SVB or what, any of these banks are in business. Boom. Right? And so there's risky assets in both of those buckets. But if we're talking about essentially this is the end game where the explicitly or implicitly the, ma the major central banks are now in the business of cashing the checks of the government, that is by definition the road to hyperinflation. Doesn't mean you're going to get there, but you're putting in place the prerequisites to get there. Then do you want to own inside money? Because inside money is going to get deflated because there's going to be way more fiat money out there. You want to own outside money. You want gold. You want property. You want Bitcoin. You, know, you want vintage cars, whatever it is, right? And so that, that is the, the, the setup, right? If we believe that the authorities are committed to saving the banking system, and saving the banking system essentially means guaranteeing that no bank can ever go bust, which means that banks that buy government debt can do it as much as they want, and we're going to give them par, whatever the value of the debt is, par meaning 100% or face value of that debt. At a certain point, the money supply expands infinitely, and I don't want to have claims on this system. I want to be an outside money. I want Bitcoin, right? And that's where this trope of Bitcoin 1 million comes from. Now, while Bellagio, I think, is doing a very great marketing campaign in this bet, and, and I don't know how much, he, how much he's going to lose if he actually loses the bet, probably nothing in the you know, percentage of his net worth, um, do I think Bitcoin is going to a million dollars in 90 days? No, um, I do not. Uh, do I think Bitcoin could go to a million dollars in this, in this cycle? Absolutely. And this cycle would be the next two to three years. For sure. Um, Yikes. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, I got to roll that back for a second, sir. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know how much, he, how much he's going to lose if he actually loses the bet. Probably nothing in the you know, percentage of his net worth. Um, do I think Bitcoin is going to a million dollars in 90 days? No, um, I do not. Uh, do I think Bitcoin could go to a million dollars in this, in this cycle? Absolutely. In this cycle. Sheesh. My homie's saying, damn, in this cycle, we could get a million dollar Bitcoin. Yo. Yo. I hope. I hope. Shit, man. I mean, last cycle, man, we were, we were hoping, you know, we were hoping, I mean, we were saying, like, hey, you know, we, hopefully we can get 100,000. And then if we're lucky, we get a quarter million, right? But damn, I mean, uh, shit. If we get a quarter million, $400,000 BTC, close enough. That's awesome. Hey. Though I, th I do think it's a little early for a million now. The million would just be like, but, you, hey, I'll take it. There's Bitcoin I have, I ain't selling. It would be the next two to three years, for sure. Um, and the reason why is, okay, yes, I, know I and others say this is quantitative easy and this is money printing, this bank term funding program. But right now, all this is doing is guaranteeing the depositors get their money back. This isn't inflationary as long as depositors keep their money in the banking system. Because what's going to happen? If all I'm doing is taking my deposit from Silicon Valley Bank and putting it in JP Morgan, and Silicon Valley Bank, whoever buys it, can't originate any new loans, JP Morgan's not going to originate any new loans. JP Morgan's just going to stuff it in interest, uh, um, over, uh, excess interest on excess reserves at the Fed. They're not lending any of this money out. So there's not any credit creation Allegedly. happening. I'm just guaranteeing losses, right? So for the time being, this is all a dead money. The banking system can't expand because it's underwater, because short-term rates are too high, right? But because I've put this facility in place, 
either the Fed starts cutting at the next, at the next meeting, I don't think they really will, but they could, or a nasty recession forces them to cut anyways on, in, the, in the near future, that I believe is my um, mental model is for what's gonna happen. Once those rates start dropping, you've, you have this all this dry powder that's here, and then people are like, yes, okay, banking system sound, yield curve is, is um, steep again, or not inverted, game fucking on. I'm buying everything under the fucking sun. And banks start lending, people start buying shit, and that's when you get the massive inflationary impulse. And that's when you start seeing the real gains in, in Bitcoin. So while we've made, had this move from 15,000 to, to you know, close to 30,000, 100% off the lows, I think that's just telling us the direction of travel. I think that the, the path to get there is going to be quite rocky. Because let's say that the Fed comes out tomorrow and they say, or by the time this airs, and it's 25 or 50 basis points hike, right? And essentially they're going to melt down the rest of the U.S. banking system by doing that over time then you could see a risk-off scenario and Bitcoin could get impacted and give up some of these gains. You could see Bitcoin going from 28 down to 25,000, right? And not going to this million dollars that everybody's talking about. So the path is uncertain. We, we know the result. The result. Now, but a lot of times the reason they say these big, big numbers is because people think it can go that high and then, you know, like aim for the stars and land on the moon, right? They're all aiming for the stars. You're selling the moon. <laughs> So, you know, if, if they're saying, like, it's going to hit a million bros, you know, maybe we get to a quarter million, and then that's where, that's where it tops out. I mean, look, look what we, we were in the previous cycle. $3,000 Bitcoin low, $69,000 69, top. Not bad. It's going to be less gains than that, but still, 69. So maybe the bottom was 15500 Maybe we go to 180 Not bad is the Fed either hikes and crashes the banking system or cuts, saves the banking system. Either way, they're going to be cutting it eventually. And the money that they've created in this facility has created an infinite guarantee, which I think will expand it even further as they see more and more of these small banks. You know, and the one tangent, the faster the American political system is, even these flyover small bumblefuck states have two senators. Right, so they still have power, <laughs> and if mom and pop, even these bumblefuck states have two senators, <laughs> is banging on the senator's door. Like, why the fuck are you letting my bank fail? And these motherfuckers in New York are have paying bonuses at J.P. Morgan. Guess what's happening? There's a there's going to be a nationwide guarantee on all bank deposits. It's just politically, um, the, the, it's in a post-agrarian economy where you still have a lot of power in in these smaller states. Um, that aren't really connected to New York and Silicon Valley, there's going to be political pressure to extend this, this guarantee to everyone. It's just yeah, gonna so, so we're going to have a guaranteed FDIC, no matter everyone's bank deposits are going to be like, I, th I think on uninsured bank deposits right now, I think it's like what, one or $2 trillion tops. So all this is going to be insured. So at that point, that'll stabilize it. This should have been done a long time ago. If I'm being for, I always thought it was really weird that these bank deposits weren't insured, but I, I guess it's just the sort of thing where like, if you do insure them and stuff, then banks, get into some fuck shit. And this is what I'm talking about. This is why we can get these crazy... This is the wealth transfer right here. The rugging of the old system into the new system. Stay in stocks, go broke. Go in crypto, get rich. Take a banking crisis and some more banks to fail for them to get there, but they'll get there eventually. But it's setting the seeds for when things really take off, they're going to take off even bigger than before because the pile of money and the guarantees that have been put in place are essentially guaranteeing an infinite amount of money printing. As much debt as the government can print, can issue, 
the banks are there to buy it because the banks don't have any risk anymore. That's the point I'm making. But we're not there yet. And so, yes, okay, Bill is making this bet. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, my mental model is it's probably, we, we're probably, you know, we'll chop here. Maybe we get the 30000 and, you know, don't break through, whatever. Uh, I still see some medium-term choppiness before we... And lies. I think we go above thirty. <laughs> I think we go 30, um, 34,000 is kind of the minimum I see for the summer and stuff for this year to 44K. That's kind of the range there. And then we'll get a nice 40% drop on BTC. So we're probably going to like, we hit $44,000 in Bitcoin. We're going to drop. And that's all based off of what, ladies and gentlemen? The Fed Posse rates. Oh boy. When will you learn? <laughs> right? Like, when are you going to take the clue? Bow, 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 bow. When are you going to look at the... I mean, think about it. When the Fed... The, all this shit happened. They still increase rates 25 basis points. I think they're going to do 50. And they're like, all right, we got to still increase something. So that means we probably still have 50 to 75 basis points of increases left. So we got two to three more raises. That means sometime in the middle of the summer, they we're going to keep, keep going up. They pause the rates. Equities take a shit. Crypto takes a shit. But we would we would have hit some somewhere in the mid thirties to forties, and then we'll dump down back to twenty k BTC. Great time to buy. Join the next crypto mindset course. We're going to be babysitting everybody through that and buying the lows like we did last time. So, damn, I'm good at this shit. I'm telling you, I ain't trying to pat myself on the back, man. But goddamn, bro, sheesh. Really get lift off. Uh, we really need the Fed to really break the banking system. Now, maybe they're going to back away from the precipice and not hike. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm still missing a link here between uh, how there's enough total money creation to send Bitcoin even to a million dollars inside of two years. The numbers that you put in your article is that the, the bullishness, if you will, because of you know money issuance is, is bullish for risk assets. You're saying that the... Uh, I'm, I'm pausing this right here just because of a comment right here, but this is a very important thing I need to say right now. Miguel, are we in a bull market? Once you've gotten the low in the market, you are technically in a bull market the way me and charlie interpret it because there's a lot of money to be made because you're buying coins right now like our students are up two times to five times on their capital right now right most other people they're up fucking 20 30 percent oh my god because they just barely they're like they barely got the crust out of the eyes oh I, I, let me just get in and there's and those guys are still early we're earlier because we never left right so we're already in the bull market it's it's all subjective right but the bull market technically doesn't start by the, the definition of most, like, I would do these TradFi, like, DeFi guys or whatever. When, when, until we hit, we pass, like, $50,000, maybe, maybe six, and the all-time high is either sixty-four dollars or $69,000 Bitcoin. That's when, like, okay, I guess now we're in a bull market. And, like, the, the real number, I would imagine, would probably be $81,000 Bitcoin. Then they'll give up. Because, like, last time we passed, we, we kept hitting 20, we were at 21K, but no one's like, oh, I don't know, it's going to go back down. And once we passed $28,000 Bitcoin, holy you guys. We're in a bull market. Oh, my God. Altcoin season, baby. And everyone's throwing money like every, every buffoon. Everybody knew it was a, a, bull, a, a bull market at that point, right? But the buffoons don't know if it's a bull market yet. Good. That's, that's good for us. The bank term funding program is implicitly printing $4.4 trillion. And that is just what I'm understanding to be the delta between the actual value of these underwater treasuries and what they will be valued at their full-term loans. Is that in that, that delta? No, so I'm basically saying the, not, the amount of 
U.S. Treasuries and mortgage back, mortgage-backed securities held on U.S. banking system balance sheets and aggregate is $4.4 trillion, and those, that's been mm-hmm. guaranteed. Right? So if you want to go and tender those to the Fed, you can get $4.4 trillion. Now, it's up to right. you or your depositor what you do with that money, but essentially the entire deposit base, $4.4 trillion can be exchanged for cash using these securities. That is quantitative easing by definition. Right. What you do with that cash determines how financial markets you know, sure. deal with it. Right. And right. So then and, the next question and, is, okay, 4.4 trillion is about 300 billion more than what happened during COVID in terms of the, the right. rise in the failed balance sheet. That yeah. still doesn't get us to a million, even if we extrapolate on a one right. for one basis. How do we get to a million dollar Bitcoin? So he just basically said like with all this, all this stuff that's going down, there's not, that's not enough money to really pump Bitcoin to a million dollars. Right. Now he's really going to go into like, where does the money come from? Right. Here it comes. Well, mm-hmm. the, the next situation is, okay, well, the small, a lot of small banks, and the ones that are really getting punished right now are the ones that, don't, that didn't lend to the government. These are the banks that lent to the multifamily, like the, the condo builders. These are the banks that lent to the person building an office building. These are the banks that lent to mall operators. These are the banks that lent to small mom-and-pop businesses. They originated all these loans. These are not eligible at the Fed. This is their predominantly what their loan book is. Handled. But everyone says, small bank bad, big bank good. I want my money back, right? And they go, fuck, well, we can't give this bond to the Fed because they're not accepting it. So we've got to sell it. Who's buying it? Nobody, right? No one's mm. buying these bonds. These markets dead, right? BlackRock has a real, I forgot the name of the real estate fund. They've gated withdrawals. This market's fucked. Nobody's getting out, right? And Sheesh. so this is why the stress is not going to, it's going to be on any bank that the majority of their loan book is non-U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities because those are not guaranteed right now. And that's where the, the pressure is going to come. And so once we see one of those banks fail, and I, I haven't done the analysis and I don't know the names of the banks that are more heavily in this that bucket, but if you're looking at banks and you want to say, okay, this is the bank that I think it might be a good short, those are the banks. The loan book is predominantly non-Treasuries, non-mortgage-backed securities because those are not guaranteed. So when the deposit leaves, that bank goes bust. Until the government comes in and says, actually, every single loan originated on a bank balance sheet regulated by the FDIC, whoever the regulator is, is now guaranteed. So what is that? In the U.S., it's about like $18 trillion um, of, of, of deposits. Um, in essence, the entire banking system, right? They need, that's where they have to go to because the market's going to say, okay, well, cool, you got... So basically what he's saying right here is that we're, we've just saw we've just seen the first part of the banking collapse, right? We've seen just people uh, running, like basically running away. Look, so what caused all this? The Federal Reserve increasing interest rates, right? They've well, they've had to like they should have been raising them since the fucking middle of the twenty of the teen of the twenty teens, right? But they're they're doing it now, right? And basically, this is causing some really crazy knock on effects. I mean, if they had just lazily raised it, like imagine, right? They started increasing it. 50 basis points since 2016 till now we wouldn't have this problem imagine they just did um like somewhere in okay march we do 25 basis point increase who cares october 25 basis points who cares next year 20 you just did that a little boom 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 every year for the next four five six years i mean basically i mean like literally think about it i mean like 2016 plus that you'd almost be at the same rates you're at now but it would have been a much more gentle ride it wouldn't have just shook the fucking markets like it is and now they jerome pals had to do this because of like i understand I, i'm giving them I mean, credit here they they had to do this he wasn't in charge of the fed at the time right it was under a lady 
under a lady. Why Women Deserve Less. Authored by Myron Gaines and edited by my boy Aaron Clary. I'm not saying that the woman dropped the ball who was running the Fed at the time. I ain't going to say her name. Ben Bernanke didn't drop the ball, but I'm saying there, there should have been some small raises. They, were, they tried. I remember this. They did try, and the market got spooked. But they should have, even if it was 10%, even if it was 10 basis points increases, they should have been inching slightly along. After all this time, they could, by 2016 to, to 2023, they'd, they'd be at 3.5%, 4% right now, maybe. Maybe three, barely 3%. But instead of, but from zero to four, this is why all this shit's happening right now. This is why women deserve less. All right. I have that book signed by the author. I'm going to get Cappy to sign it too. <laughs> but uh, actually, I'm going to have Cappy on pretty soon, too, as well, man. I love that motherfucker. But um, so, yeah, so basically, th this is what's going on. So they've increased these rates so much that we've just seen the first part of it. Remember, the, okay. Uh, da -da -da -da, da -da -da -da. Okay, the first 75 basis increase happened eight months ago. It usually takes six to eight months for interest rate increases to affect the market. It it, there's a long tail to it. So all these interest, uh, market rate increases that they did are barely starting to have an effect now. Now. This is not even talking about real estate. Real estate is starting to crash now. I mean, I've, I was telling people already about that shit already and stuff, but uh, I was like, man, the, the rent's too damn high. <laughs> so um, there's that right there. And we're still getting more. We're still getting another two to three more interest rate increases. Oof, right? Now, why women deserve less. But... Um, there's other knock-on effects are going to start happening. So basically what he's talking about here is like, we just saw the first part. People just getting scared. Now they're going to, they're going to, they're going to bank all this other stuff. But there's tons of other banks that because of these interest rate increases, their bonds, which aren't, which aren't in different sectors, maybe just outright loans, um, actual mortgages and stuff like that. Like we might actually start seeing banks actually starting to fail because the, the interest rate keeps increasing, which lowers their bonds. And these bonds aren't accepted by the government. There's going to have to be some bank bailouts. We're going to start seeing some fuck shit happening, you guys. Treasuries, we're not fucking with you. You've got loans to commercial real estate, malls, businesses. Yeah, we're fucking with you, right? And so those are the people that are going to feel the pain. And I think eventually they're going to get bailed out too. Because, again, they're the ones that power economic growth. They're in states that have two senators. Uh, and they can apply political pressure to get what they want. And so... I think that's the massive of travel. So that now, let me, let me say this because there was a lady in the chat, right? Base lady. The exception doesn't make the rule. You're an outlier. Stand up. Applaud yourself. <laughs> but if there's an 80-20 rule, but there's outliers. There is outliers. Everyone in here is an outlier. 300 of you guys watching in the middle of the night. Though we do, I mean, we do have some people from Europe because I'm, you know, I'm worldwide out here. But... We're, but think about it. 300 of you guys are champions are, are watching this right now. And you guys are outliers. I mean, even in the crypto space, this is, this is some outlier shit you guys are doing right now. I'm just telling you guys, the exception doesn't make the rule. It's $18 trillion of implicit guarantee. Now, the real coup de grace for this program, and I think which is super elegant and what they did, is the real problem is not 
the immediate problem of the banking system. The real problem is after the debt ceiling gets raised, July, August, September, whenever it is, the U.S. government is fighting wars all over the world and not just, you know, fuck them up, shoot them up wars. It's war on climate change, you know, all these esoteric, you know, non-defined concepts that we're fighting a war on, right? And, and so these are expensive because you're spending a lot of money. You have the, was it the Inflation Reduction Act or whatever bullshit name they came up with. Um, and they're just handing out money to preferred industries to do stuff, right? It's expensive. And it's not as if tax receipts are growing, they're actually falling. And so there's going to be deficits that need to be funded in the single-digit trillions, and it's going to keep growing year after year after year. Who's going to buy these bonds? Like, the, the U.S. banking system post-COVID could be counted on to buy government bonds because they had a great spread on them. And the Fed said, inflation is transitory, there's no more inflation, it's dead, blah, 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 you don't have to worry about interest rate risk. The bank said, okay, my regulators tell me you don't have to worry about interest rates, I'm not worried about interest rates, I'm trying to get paid here. And, and so they piled in. But you've just taken that away. They just blew up because the Fed blew them up by raising interest rates so high on their U.S. government securities. So how do we get the banking system back in the business of buying the debt that we have to issue? Well, we guarantee that if they ever get into problems, we just give them back dollars that we printed. And from a technical standpoint, the Federal Reserve, from an optics perspective, is not cashing the checks of the government, which in classical economists says, hyperinflation, hyperinflation, we need to sell bonds. It's the banking system buying the bonds of the U.S. government because they're guaranteed to get money whenever they need it from the Fed. And if the Fed reduces interest rates to a low enough rate where the curve goes positive again, long-term rates greater than short-term rates, it's profitable for the banks to have deposit base, buy every single issuance that they can of U.S. government debt, and if they ever need to give their depositors back money, they give the debt to the Fed, the Fed gives them dollars, right? And so we go this little merry-go-round, and the U.S. government gets to stuff bonds down the throats of the banks, mm. and everybody's happy. And that's what I think the real end game is. So you, you heard what he just said right there. So basically what's going on is they've essentially created, unintentionally or intentionally, depending on where what you think, they've essentially created a really weird sort of like bond cycle now where like the, the once the bonds become profitable to really buy, the banks just start buying the fuck out of it and then they start taking losses. They're, then from there, like they, once they take, start taking losses on these things, they sell them to the Fed, then they go back into the market at the, and then their depositors are happy. So then the things go on again money printing happens again and then they go back in the market start buying more u.s bonds so basically this is what ends up happening and basically they just start they, they start making all the rub in between and stuff so this increases the amount of money getting printed and stuff and then the, the who's holding all the bags i mean the fed's just holding it on their balance sheet basically damn and that's where the money's going to start coming from billions and trillions of dollars entering every time this happens Oh, long-term rates are really positive. Oh, they're, they're not positive anymore. Shit. Let's just sell this bullshit back to the back to the Fed. We got capital again. Cool, cool, cool. We start buying, like, and then we just start buying bonds or they start investing around and stuff, and then they do it all over again. It's just a cycle. That's It's going to start accordioning stuff, except the accordions getting larger and larger and larger. And, and if you're not in the capital class, you are just getting, you're just, I feel bad for anyone who just doesn't have assets. Doesn't matter if you own stocks or bonds or whatever the hell, but just having some assets, crypto assets are far better, far, far better and stuff because the limited supply on a lot of them and some of this tokenomics.
And that's how you get to Bitcoin 1 million because that is yield curve control. That is the central bank cashing the checks to the government. A few steps removed, but it's the same fucking thing. And that is where I, that's where I think this program is beautiful in terms of how beautifully sinister, but beautiful in the same, in, in some respect, and how it accomplishes this goal. People aren't going to think about it until it exists. And, you know, obviously they have this, oh, it's going to end next year. There's no way it can end next year. If, why would I hold a banking stock if I know that they've got all this thing, all this debt that they can't tender to the Fed? They have the same problem. The problem hasn't gone away. Um, so are we going to crash the banking system again March next year? Are we just going to keep doing this again and again and again? No, they're going to extend it. And once they've given it an infinite extension, then the bank says, okay, cool, regular, so that I can use this program. Oh, government's selling a bunch of 30-year debt at doesn't matter what the fucking interest rate is. It's positive spread. I get to make money on my deposit. I'm there. Take all that shit. Oh, I need my, my, my customer wants to take out the money and, I don't know, go buy something. Cool. Fed, here are these bonds. Give me back 100%. Um, I'm still making money. Great. So it's, that's the $1 million Bitcoin. But that doesn't happen immediately. This is, it's a path there. Um, and I think it's not entirely straightforward, but that's where I see it going. Uh, and I think Bitcoin eventually will discount that future. It's not going to happen before June um, to help Bellagio out. But I think as we start f seeing the slow motion evolution of everybody getting a bailout, the guarantee expanding, expanding, expanding as more holes are poked in. Well, why did he get a bailout and I didn't get a bailout? Right. That's the question. That, that's that's the it's the um, unevenness of the response. Some people are getting you know, a good response and some people are getting a bad response. And it's only to do with what they hold on, on, on their balance sheet, and there's nothing else to it than that. And so I think as we move down this path, that's how we get to $1 million Bitcoin. But it's not an immediate thing. Um, it's going to happen. So basically kind of the gist of that. So, so basically they're only accepting only accepting U.S. debt really in terms of bonds and stuff or like – or um, and um, what's called um, – wow, I'm spacing on the name. My God. Um mortgage-backed securities, right, what's going to happen is that as some of these banks start failing, the, the Fed is going to have to, because there's no buyers, because you have all this flood of these bonds, holy crap, no one wants to buy it, there's just, there's not enough demand to buy all these bonds, if they start dumping these bonds, who's going to buy it? The Fed's going to have to start buying these things up and stuff, and then it just keeps going and going and going, and this is how you get to a million dollar Bitcoin right here, like that, right there is the crux of what's really like what's really going on right now and stuff like that and you know i mean he's going to talk a little bit right now about who takes the loss it's it's you guys it's the person holding the, the one working for the dollar the one on a minimum wage and shit the one working on a salary and stuff that's who takes it and stuff every time they print money there's an invisible hand stealing from you the reason we are taxed right i understand taxation from states the state level because they can't print money right but the federal, the, the Fed does not need to, to tax you because the Fed can print money. The reason they tax you is because they printed all this money. They, they've essentially kind of double spend. So they try to stop the double spend from happening. So they take the money away from you. One, to dispower you. And two, because they've spent the money ahead of you already. And over time. Right. Okay. So implicit in your uh, 
model of the future is just an increasing scope of the bank term funding program. So the bank term funding program is constrained in the assets that are eligible to access the facility. And it's also contained constrained in scope in that it expires, according to the Fed, inside of one year. And what you're saying is that both of these variables are going to expand just because of the political interests, the political forces that will inevitably be placed on, on the Fed. This is, and the market forces. If the, yeah. it says, okay, the, the, the Fed just bailed out two banks, oh, the, the depositors of these banks. And if we you know, take the media narrative at face value, it is the most toxic sector of the banking system. One bank lent to the crypto bros, the other bank lent to the tech bros. I couldn't think of two <laughs> worst constituents in American politics right now. Sure. Right? So, <laughs> one bank led to the crypto bros, one bank led to the tech bros. I, I could damn, that was such a fucking line right there. One bank led to the to the crypto bros, another one to the tech bros. I couldn't think of two worst people to represent ever. <laughs> and they gave those assholes bailouts. What do you think they'll do for everybody else? These are like politically like the worst people to get bailouts to, and they give them bailouts. So that means literally Main Street, every other bank, real estate, farming, everything else is going to get a bailout because the worst sectors in their in their eyes just got bailouts. Let me hear this gold again. That was that was so dope. Really, be placed on on the Fed. This is, and the this market is forces. If the, yeah. If there's, okay, the, the the Fed just bailed out two banks. Oh, the depositors of these banks. And if we you know, take the media narrative at face value, it is the most toxic sector of the banking system. One bank lent to the crypto bros, the other bank lent to the tech bros. I couldn't think of two worst constituents in American politics right now that people <laughs> want to bash on. Right? So, and, but, but, so okay, we're starting from a real good place. <laughs> the management, management got bounced and equity holders got a donut. Okay. But the depositors got their money back. So expand that, right? Why, if they're willing to do it for them, why aren't they willing to do it for, you know, XYZ Bank and Bumblefuck flyover country America <laughs> who lends to farmers? And we all know the farmers have a lot of power because of how the system, the political Damn right they have a lot of power. Um, between, you know, Senate House and the executive branch. And so I think the politics is going to dictate that you can't bail out the, the banks on the coast and not bail out the banks in the heartland. Right. And that's uh, it's just the state versus federal, you know, continuing, you know, clash, if you want to call it that, that exists in all countries with this with a similar sort of um, political setup. Because who how do you politically allocate the loss? That's the question. The politicians had to tell us, OK, well, there's a loss. We know there's a loss. So what he's talking about right here is how are you going to spin it? It's like, okay, we have to print money, but how do we spin? Like, like notice, right? They bailed out the banks. So the whole, co all the stuff going on with COVID and stuff, they had to print money and stuff, but how, like, fuck, fuck, what do we do? So I'm not saying it was fake, you guys, but they basically said we have to print money because this medical emergency, this, this global pandemic, we have to print money because of this. Well, because of, because of that, not so great, right? So the thing is, it's, no, no, no. We had a, we had, we weren't bailing out the whole financial and banking industry. We were bailing out America, and we were bailing out everything because the medical system it needs capital and stuff like that. So the whole thing is, they need to find a way to spin it because they can't, they can't bail out the banks twice. Because then, if that happens, if they bail them out twice, the it's part, the party's over for the bankers. 
It's like shit. So they're trying everything they can to make sure that it's like they, they distract you guys and and spin it some ways. We're like, no, 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 we're printing because of this. They, they even even when they're doing when the bank the banks wouldn't lend to each other overnight. Remember that when I was saying that there, there was this uh, thing that happened right before COVID, right before COVID happened, that the banks stopped lending to each other. And then the, the Federal Reserve is like, no, no, we're going to extend credit out for the overnight repo market. No, no, we're not, we're not bailing out the thing. This is the overnight, overnight repo market. Oh, what does that mean? Well, basically, your bank can be insolvent for the whole week, right? Let's just say you're down a few billion dollars. You can borrow a billion dollars over the weekend. And basically, on Friday, you close in profit. So basically, like, I'll lend you a few billions. So your bank is worth a dollar that you can keep operating. And then you give me my money back plus interest. And then you continue to work with each other. That's basically what the overnight repo market is. It's interbank lending over the weekend, basically. <laughs> so um, basically, what happens is the whole system frees up because, like, banks were like, yo, I don't know which of you fuckers is, like, actually insolvent now. I might. Uh, uh, and then basically, the um, it basically the, the Fed forced people to grab money. They, they ended up forcing, like, JP Morgan and the rest of these banks to grab loans even if they didn't need it. So everyone else didn't look bad for grabbing it because once they actually implemented the system, System, no bank wanted to touch it because no, 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 I'm not touching it because basically the first one who would grab the money would be like, oh, this is the insolvent bank. So they, um, the Fed basically said, hey, member banks gr grab or like everyone's going to have to grab money now. And OK, and they all grabbed money and that basically collateralized the system. And then something else happened later on. And then that's why they, they ended up having. So it, that that was a temporary bandaid. And then the whole COVID thing happened. But then all that money and printing that happened was basically it was basically a bail. They used the COVID thing as a re I, the Follow the money, you guys. The money is like 90% of the time, right? Most humans around the world, it's, it's, about, it's, it's either about status, women, or money, right? Those are the three things. Half of the time, it's money, then status, then women. But when, it comes, but it, when you're looking in a big macro sense, geopolitically, it's always about the money. It's always about the bread. Because if you got the bread, you got the status, and you got the power, you got the military, you got the bitches, Right? That's what's really about. So when you follow the money in the macro sense, you figure out what should happen. I knew this whole, I, it, it was always about the money. They basically need an excuse to print a ton of money and recapitalize the systems. And now like that's falling apart. That's what's happening. The banking system, who, who takes the loss? Is it the small bank over here? Is it the large bank? Is it the central bank? Is it the federal government? Is it the state government? That's up to the politicians to decide. Uh, and so, um, and, you're, and if you're not able to, uh, clearly allocate losses in an objective manner, then you just get to bail out everybody. Uh, and so that's where I think we're gonna go to because there is no reason why I should bail out a treasury bond but not the bond for the commercial real estate project. Why, why that one, not this one? Right. So Arthur, who loses here? Because this sound, you're, you're painting a very, um, I think, rosy, optimistic picture, uh, oddly, because like eventually you're saying that everyone, everyone's getting all their money. Banks are going to be able to take free risk. Bitcoin's going to a million dollars in two to three years. Who, where, who takes the L? The L is anyone who holds, you know, dollars, right, in, inside, inside of the system. Sure. Right? So if you, if... Okay, if, if Bitcoin's a million and oil is $500, right? Or if Bitcoin's a million and it costs... Peep that shit right there. If Bitcoin's a million dollars, it's $500 a barrel of gasoline. Yo, there's some... Yo, I'm going to say it on record right here. Saudi Arabia's doing a lot of weird moves, man. A lot of weird. A lot of countries are, do, are signing deals with Saudi Arabia and, and being able to buy oil in their own currency. 
The BRICs are doing a lot of moves. I think the United States is probably going to light a fire in the Middle East at some point. I'm not saying right now, but within maybe five, ten years, the United States is probably going to just pull out the military, block off the Strait of Hormuz, and just let these fuckers kill themselves. Maybe the United States goes... I mean, look, at one point, when we... When we went into Afghanistan, right, the, the Afghanis were our allies. Then later on, they became our enemies, right? I wouldn't be surprised the United States says, okay, Iran, what's up? Let's make a deal. <laughs> New deals are signed. Like crazy, less crazier things have happened in this world. I mean, I, that's horrible. I hope it doesn't happen. But, like, the United States ain't going to let this whole... Uh, global dollar you know thing go away and shit like that they're like it's all they have to do is light the light the middle east on fire and then crown whoever wins afterwards basically it's, it's pretty fucking dark you guys like this is really dark i like um but i i just see this happening i've i felt really look, look if i'm being honest man this whole dubai stuff has been like really weird to me like i i understand it's a beautiful city it's it, they're building all this stuff but it feels like a honeypot too good to be true Right? Am I true? This is coming from a crypto bro, man. Like, bro, well, I see magic happen. 10,000x, baby. I, but, like, yo, this Dubai stuff has been a little too, like, I, I feel what's going to happen. Mark my words. If, if this comes to pass, this is going to be the biggest stealing of money that's ever happened ever in a global scale. Watch, watch what's going to happen. Watch. There's a lot of people just abandoning the United States and their, their citizenship, moving to Dubai or the Middle East, setting up their bank accounts, no taxes because they, they make all their money off oil. They don't need to tax anybody. They're just trying to make sure that there's a strong economy in these, in these city-states. Then from there, you have people from the UK, Russia. I mean, basically the whole world, a lot of people are going to Dubai. All this money's coming down and all these money's going to those bank accounts. They're not U.S. citizens anymore. They're abandoning their citizenships in a lot of these countries just to move there because no more taxes and there's like, and there's like, and there's like models and people flying around and there's fucking supercars everywhere. And then the country gets attacked and demolished or the whole city gets bombed. The money gets stolen. Who are you going to cry to? It's moved off to bank accounts all over the world and stuff like that. And it's going to be the one of probably one of the largest stealing of money that's ever fucking happened. That I'm, I literally have been thinking about this quite a lot. And it seems to me like, I feel like that's the honeypot. It's really fucking sad. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope all this shit just works out. It's like, Oh, they're just sharing the love now a little bit. Okay, cool. But Knowing how this world works, man, like that's what I'm seeing. Like, let's okay, let's fuck them up. We'll steal all these people, these dumb fucks who abandoned us money. Ha ha ha. Burn the city to the ground, crown the new people out. The oil is going to spike to crazy levels for everyone else. The United States has their own oil. Essentially, nothing's going to nothing's going to change here in the states. We're probably going to get a thirty to forty percent increase in oil. Uh, we'll bring fracking back up. We took out our main competitors. Um, everyone on the around the world's like fucking scared. They don't have enough oil supplies. China collapses. Uh, Russia's pretty much, you know, whatever. I mean, Russia's, I think, is going to be okay because they have their own oil. But um, geopolitically, just one little chess move. Okay, we just knock Saudi Arabia or the... I hope not. But that that's what my gut's fucking telling me is happening right now because I'm seeing, like, we, it's just simple. Just click. 
They don't even have a military. They have a private. They have a private. They have a private police force basically, and they have mercenaries because they're so afraid that shit's going to go down. And then, and you have one of you have one of the largest like uh, ground militaries right next door. Oh, not next door, but close by. As an enemy, you just take the U.S. You just take the U.S. military out of the out of there and stuff, and just it's a powder keg. Um. Grit gains, bro, why do you even speak something like this into existence? Because it's on the path already. I feel it. I'm just telling you guys. You heard it here first. So, hit up Pepe for that, man. That was a Pepe moment. I think that's a perfect place to end it right there, man. I mean, let me let me tell you, let me tell you this right now. Um, I just wanted to say that right now because I think I've, I'm probably one of the only persons in the whole world that's ever even said that, or said it publicly out here. But I've been feeling that's been a honeypot for a long time. I mean, sh I mean, I got I got I got I got Puerto Rico fucking honeypot stuff too, but eh, less less hot compared to like the stuff going on over there. I mean, you, you want to know what, like, you want to know something that happened over, uh, over this past months, like Credit Suisse, right? One of the, one of the big Swiss banking partners fucking just went under and stuff and they had a, and they forcefully bought another Swiss bank bought and stuff with the government having a gun to the head of the other bank to buy it. Cause they didn't, cause the, the appetite for a bailout wasn't there for the Swiss people, right? It was bought at a loss and stuff, but they bought it basically, I think for like $3 billion or something like that. And it was bought, right? Well, do you know what happened under Trump? Trump essentially rugged the Swiss banking system by basically saying, "Hey, you guys, we we just forced we just forced the Swiss the Swiss banks to release the the charters. We know exactly everyone who has a, a, a Swiss bank account to escape taxation. Okay, here's what we're gonna do: you repatriate your money. You're only gonna pay ten percent of the money. So a shit ton of money left." I think that's one of the reasons why the banking sector in Saudi in the in the Switzerland was so weak because you had a basically just a ton of money. I'll have to look at the money. It probably was a trillion dollars plus of money left Switzerland into there. And because the, everyone could see whose bank accounts are there, nobody nobody's doing illicit activities or trying to hide from taxes went to there. So it actually this this actually weakened because if that did, if the United States didn't do that under Trump, then I think Switzerland would have been in a very strong uh, um, dollar sense sense because it's always a very strong sector and stuff like that. So it's like we're like now one way that they may the Swiss the Swiss may recapitalize themselves. They may because it's no longer that money. They may move money to Swiss accounts with all the dollars they steal from the from these banks. Basically, the the city's getting destroyed because the city's getting destroyed, but the money's digital. The money's all digital. Remember that. Most money's digital. So it's just beep boop and it's over there now. And they run away with it and stuff. And that'll recapitalize the Swiss. So Swiss is gonna be fine, but I think they're gonna do a lot of money laundering just like they did for the fucking German, the Nazis. Sheesh. I'm a little too base, man. <laughs> I'm just seeing too many dots, man. I'm just saying, man. I'm just seeing how the money moves. But hey, 
Hey, but I got one thing to tell you guys, man. Share the screen. April 21st, man. Crypto Mindset goes live, baby. Goes live, man. Leave your email address right here, man, and then we will send, we will, you'll be able to get into the course right away the minute it drops. It's only going to be on sale for five days. There's going to be a massive course. We're going to take care of you guys. We're going to be buying all the coins out in Pump Chat. We're going to be doing webinars on Pulse Chain, Pulse Sex, everything, yield farming, all types of stuff, and then all kinds of flash webinars and everything else in there. As soon as this thing launches, we're going to be doing all this private content and stuff. I'm, I'll be off of YouTube. If PulseChain launches, I'll be taking care of my guys in the Citadel and inside of the Crypto Mindset course quarter two, man. I'm telling you guys. We got a lot of stuff coming up and stuff. I'm going to do an airdrop video in my next video and stuff, but sign up today, man. You can take it down now. But sign up today, you guys. Like I'm telling you, man. Like Join the Citadel. Join the Crypto Mindset course, man. Trust me. We're, we're updating a lot of stuff. I'm going to teach you guys about a lot of new L1s, where I'm yield farming, what I'm doing, where I think potential airdrops are going to happen and stuff with basically free money for using things. And damn, man, we're going to be doing pretty well, man. I'm telling you, man. Like we've been, we're, we've been calling this shit correctly this whole time, man. We bought the lows. We're going to get a nice pump in this year. It's going to come down. We're going to buy that low there and ride this off and as far until the wheels fall off, man. So with that, thank you so much for joining me, man. Get some, get some freaking sleep. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, and man, see you on Thursday.